everyone. Welcome to Measuring Flicks. I'm Carl Hartley. I'm Max Peterson. And today we are covering, uh, today's the last day of our second month. So we have... I feel like we just started Western month. Like seriously. (laughs) I know. I'm just glad that we have a bunch of Westerns planned for the Patreon series. Because we can, we don't have to stop if we don't Because I just want to keep watching Westerns. Like I want to ride a horse. I want to make a campfire. I want to eat beans. Oh my God. I wore my cowboy hat while I watched today's movie. Right. I just sat on my couch. I wore my cowboy hat. And I just, I wished that I had spurs to occasionally. Seriously. Right, oh, that whole, everything but, is so brilliant I about will, westerns. I will say this though, not to, and to, you know, we'll bring a little bit of uh, the personal to the show. Mm-hmm. I don't think Bird could take another month of westerns. Probably. Not. Wow, <laughs> like we have we have literally had like Bird and I never fight, especially about my movies. Usually, right. it's like oh, you watch such dumb movies. I love you. Here's a kid. I'll make you some popcorn. You know, like. And another I do watch dumb movies. Western, right? Now she's, oh my God. She, like, we've had like two little like spats <laughs> while I was watching the last two. I'm like watching Unforgiven and um, I'm like, oh my God, this beautiful, it's a beautiful deconstruction of the Western. Like all the stuff we talked about last right. week. But she goes, uh, <clears throat> she's like, uh, men, men and their guns. And I'm like, right. what? No, you're missing no. the point of the scene. Right. <laughs> you better watch out, woman, or I'll give you the back of my head. Like, oh, right. we got like really... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just been like really tense. And then uh, Searchers I watched yesterday morning. Right. And I'm watching The Searchers. And oh, that's what we're talking about today. Uh, the is, movie today is The, the movie Searchers. The movie today is The Searchers, by, uh, directed by John Ford, 1956. Um, we'll, and we'll get to the numbers in just a second, but a, yes. a classic Western. B- before the show, I'm like, we could talk about this movie for probably half a day. Yeah. I mean, so. there, there's, <laughs> I have, uh, there's a text I have upstairs. I didn't get to read it because I got lazy. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's cause I had to go to work, but, uh, there's a great book called, uh, uh, Westerns and the American myth. And mm-hmm. there's like 60 pages on just the searchers. It's yeah. like a, like a quarter of the book. It's just this movie. But, uh, yes. Yeah, so, Understandably so. So I'm watching, obviously. We'll get into it, but yeah. like obviously one of the characters is insanely racist, <laughs> and uh, Bird's yes. coming down, and she's just like, "How many more westerns do you have to watch?" I'm like, "This is the last one. Just don't say anything. I hold this movie dear. This is like this right. is like a sacred text to me. Please don't start shit with me right <laughs> now." <laughs> and I can I can totally understand her perspective, but yeah, she does not like westerns, and yeah, I could fair just enough. I could just watch like 50 more. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> get one of those cheap box sets by like. <laughs> Watermill <laughs> Cinemas or whatever that is like all these. Oh my God! You just of- you just said my call words. Watermill Cinemas. I have like seven movie packs where every movie starts with the like the little yes exactly. And there's the little like water wheel that like. That's how you know you're in for a shitty good time. <laughs> right. Um, okay, so some numbers for the yeah, searchers. Yeah, crunch me on some numbers, man. We got to get into the searchers. Yeah, do it, All do, right. it do it, do it, do uh, it. So when we watched Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, that was rated the seventh greatest film in the Western genre, mm-hmm. I believe. Or was that, uh, was the seventh was Liberty Valance? Liberty Valance, I think. Okay, yeah, sorry. So, um, la- so I can't remember the, the Liberty Valance numbers, but we did... We've been slowly getting closer to one. These are all on the AFI that we've done. Right. The American Film Institute, uh, all the numbers I'm saying are coming from 2007 and 2008, which have been the years that I've been working from. Um, so when we last week we found out that Unforgiven was uh, the AFI's fourth greatest film in the Western genre, and it was 68th of the on their list of the greatest movies of all time. Uh, the Searchers. This movie we're talking about yeah, today yeah. is their number twelve 
greatest movie of all time. Of all time. It's almost breaking the top ten. Jesus. This film is almost in their it's top the ten movies It's the Citizen Kane of ever. the Western genre. And it is, unsurprisingly, their number one greatest film in the Western, in the Western genre. genre. And it's not wow. even just the U.S. where this movie is like... Fucking lauded and revered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of I, course, by other directors and writers and right. You can find. Anyway, yeah. There's a famously Jean-Luc Goddard, the uh, the guy who is he the director? Uh, he did um, Leon the Professional. Is yes, him? yes, yes. Or is that? Yeah. No, that, no, no. That was Luc Besson. That was uh, Luc Besson. But uh, Jean-Luc Goddard said that um, he hated everything about John Wayne, hated his politics. But at the end of the movie, when Ethan picks Debbie up, this he is, forgave him home. for everything. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> Which is that moment for for Ethan in the movie, anyways? <laughs> right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that self forgiveness. You kind of forgive him for being such a fucking douchebag. Um, the, the in 2015, this is recently, the BBC rated this number five of all time greatest American films. You can find on the BBC on the BBC on like the BBC across the world. This movie, even though it's a western, and yep. oftentimes, especially racist ish, but well, it we does can a get thing into with race. race. Yeah, it does a really interesting thing with race and hate. But um, like d- just the fact that across cultures, because the American western is a very specific oh, American for genre. Sure. Like that is. You can't go to England and I mean you can because Sergio Leone famously did England? it in Italy. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> um, Don't tell me what I can't. Do. I was about to make like three really hard <laughs> political jokes. And I'm like, we're gonna <laughs> hold on to those. Yeah. No, but I mean, like, think about that. Like. It, when you go to another country, they don't have the American West. Right. Everywhere's got gangsters. Everywhere's got romance. Everywhere's got But you got don't war. have Monument Valley. You, you don't, don't have, have Monument Valley. You don't have your cowboys. I mean, yes, there are places in South America where, because there's a lot of crossover between that. But right, of course. This is a specifically American genre, and even filmmakers from France, filmmakers in England are looking at this film and saying, like, this is a benchmark of cinema. Yep. Even when you take the Western trappings of it aside, mm-hmm. this is such a power. There's such. There's such I hate to power use the word transcend because it it's does. used a lot, it but totally it does. Transcends it transcends genre. The, the genre. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, like that, like Fifty Shades of Grey is not just a romance <laughs> film. It's a timeless story. I can't even. I can't it's even a, lie. It's a time capsule of. I can't even. Anyway, uh, yeah. So, I mean, last week um, we were looking at Unforgiven. That was uh, number four mm-hmm. on the top 10 best westerns and 68th greatest movie of all time. But The Searchers is just. It's right there. So, numbers out of the way. What do you think? Okay. So, upon conclusion of watching this movie, I bought the Blu ray. And right on the front of the Blu ray, it says Vista Division, right? Yeah. So I was like, oh, sweet. They did a transfer. I'm going to get a really tight widescreen. It's going to, most of my huge television is going to be black bars, right? Because it's going to be that. Dude, they can't, it's 16 by 9, even on the Blu ray. So I was pissed. It was like watching an old VHS pan and scan of like Star Wars or something where you could just get, you can tell when it's like shifting over and you're getting that weird sort of, oh, we're going to look over to the left now because action is moving over to the left. I was right. so pissed. I'm like, give me the. Give me the fucking Vista Vision, man. Well, because there's only a few films that were done in Vista Vision, but that was like my first thing. Is like the movie is so beautiful. Was Vista Vision? Did Vista Vision have to do with aspect ratio? Yeah, or it was the color? widest. No, it was the widest format ever. Like, it was shot. Ter- did Tarantino? This is the one that Tarantino used yeah, for Hateful Eight. Hateful Eight was in Vista Vision. Yeah. Okay, the, I had read about the transfer. Um, 
when they transferred to DVD and Blu-ray, mm-hmm. when they went back to restore the original and yeah. put it on and digitize it, the the team that did the digital transfer found that the original VistaVision print, the uh, because each color which is like a separate layer. It's a layer. separate layer, yeah. And There's the three yellow, colors or whatever that they, yeah. The yellow had faded so much that it was completely unusable. Oh, wow. So they went back and uh, there's a, they... I can't remember what they used. It was like the there's this like a secondary film that they were able to. It's the black and white transfer. Oh, okay. And to then, like sort of bring in some of those other colors. Or whatever, yes, so. and I think it was also uh, done Technicolor, right? Mm-hmm. So they did the original. They they uh, they weren't able to get the digital print the from the VistaVision. Film because the yellow had degraded so far, so they used a different like black and white color separation Jeez. film to do all of the digital masters. Um, I just want to see like after watching this, like I mourned Panavision for like not being able to see this on the big screen a, on a in a theater on the big screen in this like the original print because mm. fuck this movie is like beautiful. That first scene, the first the opening shot. You want to talk about uh, oh, like you mean, liminal space? Like, oh, we'll get we. Let's. Do you want to start <laughs> yeah. there? And I, just, I kind of want to talk through this movie like in order of like the like of what we happened? bounce around. Yeah, like like just like the what the movie like because there's so much that happens. Like you right off, like from Jump Street, right, the very beginning of the movie right. after the. You know, it's an old movie, so you have like the the orchestra playing with. It's the Searchers. It's directed by John Ford. You have your title cards that come up. Right. And then the first shot we see is is a door opening, and a woman standing in that doorway, completely black, silhouetted that a, against that's Monument a, Valley. Right. And then the camera pushes out through into that. Space. It's like does you're the in a door, western. Like, does the door? I can't remember. In the opening shot, does the door? open and then she steps into the yeah, space so I it starts so. on black yeah. and then she the door opens and then she steps in which is interesting because that the end of the film mm-hmm. is they all go back into that and Except the door for ethan and then the door right. closes yeah so i i do also want to talk through this in order but these shots in particular mm-hmm. if there's four that i was there's more but there's four main ones that i want to I never um, take notes when I watch movies, dude. I was like scribbling I know, I see all four over pages. the fucking place. But I was, I, I'd like to go through those four shots. Yeah, go for it. As always with measuring flicks, I, we would like to assume that you have seen the AFI's greatest Western of all time. <laughs> right. And we're going we're gonna to dig into the nitty gritty. We're not going to summarize the plot. The plot's really simple. It's essentially this. Uh, a group of uh, Comanche Indians mm-hmm. come in and uh, basically kill a settler, kill a, a family of settlers, kidnap two of the daughters, mm-hmm. kill one of the daughters, and then keep the youngest daughter. Yep, and then John Wayne. John Wayne, and I can't remember the his, actor's name. Uh, his nephew, his, his name is Marty right. in, the, in the movie. So Ethan and Marty. Yep. Uh, Ethan is an old Confederate soldier. You get the sense that a lot of the people in this film are Our former, former Confederate, Confederate soldiers, soldiers, but yeah. they've all co- sort of reintegrated and Ethan has not. Ethan is still... Not even a little bit. No, he is still completely with the Confederacy. There's a great joke about uh, the Union uh, cavalrymen later, or oh, infantrymen right. later on. Played by the Duke's son, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, those two go out after the, the band of Comanches that have Debbie, who is the young girl, yep. and they spend... Seven, five years. Well, the I thought the second chunk was five years, and they were gone for two. So I think it's oh, it seven. might be actually seven. Years. I think it's seven years that they spend chasing, you know, chasing this group down. Ultimately, they do 
get her back but right. there's a bunch in between so the plot is really simple and it doesn't it's really matter literally, literally the searchers two dudes looking for searching for debbie right searching for debbie they're looking yeah they're looking for this chief scar who stole this little girl and they're going to get her back the plot is totally not important uh, it's I mean, what happens it's everything it's else yeah like summarizing movies is dumb for exactly <laughs> for what exactly that saw. reason yeah you know like, like I, honest trailers of the searchers <laughs> right exactly it's like two guys look for a little girl right they find her movies over movies over but oh my god the uh the stuff bunch in of between. engines die so yeah i know and they're right we are using the term indian because specifically because of ethan's attitude yes. toward native americans which we'll get into yep. in depth this movie is uh, it does not shy away or even blink nope. at racism. It's one. It's one calling of its, it out. Actually, it's one of its main themes. Yep, is is Ethan's racism it's calling it on the dance floor and and making you face it. Which right. uh, is actually a lot of people. I found a lot of people had questions about why Ethan was racist, and I'm just I just wondered did nobody notice? There's a huge right. <laughs> there's a huge hint right in the movie as to why Ethan is the way he is. Mm-hmm. When Debbie sneaks out the window and goes and hides by the tombstone, yeah. that's Ethan's mother's tombstone, and it says that she was murdered by a band, by, of, by a band of Minions in yeah. 1944 <laughs> or in 1844. So his wife was murdered by his mom. His mom. His mother. His mom, yeah, hit, well, his and his brother, because he has a brother whose wife he is coveting. But uh, oh, and the wife is pretty fancy on him we'll, too. By the yeah, way, yeah, we'll get, to get that. into that. But anyway, uh, so Ethan's mother was killed by a band of Apaches, and he or uh, Comanches, Comanches yeah. and he has never gotten over it. That's what it is. Yep. Everyone who's curious, like, why is he so racist? Because they killed his mom. Yeah. Now, whether or not he's right to be racist and the weird form that his racism takes, we'll mm-hmm. get into, but I want to cover these shots. Yep, go for it. So, Kill Bill, Volume 2. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Doesn't that sound like I just stepped completely away from nope. the movie? Nope, But in Kill Bill, Volume 2, Quentin Tarantino exactly replicates, but in mirror image, the opening shot of The Searchers. And he, I realized something further. I've always pointed this out to people, where Tar- uh, in the opening shot of The Searchers, Mar- Martha comes, She's it's black inside right, yes. and br- blindingly bright with the desert outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, oftentimes this is translated to mean the safe domestic space. Into the wild. Into open, the wild right. or the danger or the unknown or the the... The unknown element or whatever because mm-hmm. usually Martha steps into the liminal and looks out and then John Wayne the person who basically has been away has had no home for three years yep. he represents the wild and he is coming back into, into that. that domestic space so um, in Kill Bill Volume 2 we have the scene when the bride gets married. Oh, uh, yes, yes, yes. So oh, shit. she stands in the doorway of the church with blinding brightness outside, and it's pure black in the church, so she's silhouetted, she's... except for she's on the right side of the doorway and Martha's on the left. He's spoken repeatedly about he intentionally Inten- homaged that shot oh, because The God. Searchers is the fucking one of the best movies ever made. Right. So... I realized that the context is the same as well. Uh-huh. She's in a church, not a house, but she's about to be married. She's in a space creating domesticity. She's in a space creating a domestic space. Oh my God, you're making my brain hurt. So she's, <laughs> she's, she's standing in this, the liminality of the doorway, looking out at the unknown, 
right? The, the, yeah. And where John Wayne is the man without a home, the hard man, the violent man. Yeah. Who does she see approach but Bill? Bill, yeah. So John Wayne comes in and disrupts the domestic space because he covets his brother's wife. I forget his brother's name because he's only alive for like five right. minutes. He's alive for five and a half minutes, exactly. But uh, he, he comes in and there's a very clear thing between Martha oh my and God. John Wayne. They're like... She is like drooling over him hardcore. Just like, just like, like everything shy of just like grabbing his like, crotch. Yeah, Isaiah, why don't you just grab his dick? You guys dude? should just have sex. Like, why aren't really? you just, like, like, I mean, the tension yeah. is so fucking intense. Helpable. How, so what, what do we have? Uh, Martha settled for the safer brother. Yep. Right? And then the dangerous brother comes back in and her feelings for him cannot be disguised. She gets a little damp in the nethers. Boom, Flash to Kill Bill Volume 2. The bride... Tries to settle down with a guy who works in a record store, yep. the safe domestic life, and her former. We can infer that Bill was formerly her lover. Oh, absolutely. Because the, the, yeah, the, when you watch those movies, it's it's all contextual, it's but clear. it's very clear. Yeah. So her dangerous, violent, ex-boyfriendy type comes back in, and some of those passions are renewed when Bill enters the church yes. and they have their discussion. I mean. It's the context is it's identical, same, yeah. <laughs> but none of the specifics are the same. That is brilliant yep. filmmaking on Tarantino's part. We're not talking about Tarantino, but I am showing the far the reach impact that, that this, this movie, movie had. had. This is well, 1959. Dude, seriously, before you talk about the other shots, like there yeah. on the Blu-ray, I have there's a uh, the behind the scenes um, like interviews with John Milius um, and Martin Scorsese and another filmmaker, but they are just like drooling over this. I mean, Milius did uh, like Red Dawn and yeah. and like Conan the Barbarian. He's famous for writing a lot of like the the quintessential 80s flicks, right? right like right. And, and across genres. And then of course Martin Scorsese who did a movie Scarsese. about Scorsese did a movie about a cab movie about a cab driver. He did a cab driver movie. And then he did one about like uh, Nice Guys or something. Did he it was uh, good folks. Good good good, good uh, guys. Darn darn good Darn good people. Darn good people. <laughs> good but fellas, the, taxi driver, yeah, just, the departed. The list goes on and yeah, on. Yeah, Martin right? Scorsese these guys is a are just legend. like gushing over this movie. And at some point, like, you got to step back. Like, is that movie, is, is The Searchers really that good? And then when you go back, and if you're actually watching this movie right. with a critical eye or not, but us in this podcast, we do. We have to watch it. And holy fuck. Fuck. It's, yeah, and it's all—it's almost with a—it's almost with a uh, like a film lover's eye. Yeah, you, this is not a movie to be watched casually. You can casually watch it. Oh, absolutely. You can, yeah, I've, you can watch it as a John Wayne western. Fine, whatever. Right, and it's gonna. But be your weird, brain is gonna, gonna be, be knocking a, on the door though. Like, hey, there is something extra going on, especially here. with John Wayne's performance. Okay, go on is, to your shots. Is this? John Wayne's best performance. Absolutely. I agree. I agree 100%. Okay, but so like my one of the things that I've always known because I've always been a huge cinephile. I'm a huge yep. lover of film. Yep. I abs I absorb it, I adore it, I drool on it. But I have watched I've watched The Godfather with people who aren't cinephiles. Right. When we talk about The Godfather, when people who love movies talk about this caliber of film right we're like oh my god it's a oh my yeah i've watched i've watched the godfather with people who are bored or who take it to task for like small technical yep, errors absolutely yeah and i'm like oh there are people who only watch film as entertainment yes. and don't see it as capital a art 
and that's that's, yeah, that's fine. Totally fine. Absolutely, the movie's still getting watched, which is yeah. the point of making this, a movie. But right, this okay. So we'll get. Let's do the shots. Yes. Let's do the shots yes. because it's a huge unpacking of mm-hmm. the film. So our, we've already talked about the first shot and yes. Tarantino's treatment of it, which is amazing. <clears throat> the second shot is after Ethan and Marty have been gone for two years, looking for the girl. Yeah, for Debbie. Yeah, Debbie. Right. So. They've gone out. This the first time they turn back is when they trace the Comanche tribe. And in, they're in the winter. They're in the right? winter. Yeah. By the way, horses in snow. <sighs> so those shots make me want to cry. They're so fucking beautiful. <laughs> know, right? This this film is beautiful. Um, so the first time they come back, the first domestic space has been destroyed. Yes, it is burned. Burned to the ground. And so, Lucas was a fan as well because that's clearly Owen and Baru's. <laughs> Owen and Baru's rant. Yeah. Oh, put a pin in that really quick because yep. I do have something I want to tell you about this. Um. Anyway, when they when they come back to that second domestic space, it's now Ethan. I think the the purpose of that is to reestablish and call back the mind of the viewer to why this is all happening. Yep. It's like the ghost of Martha because mm-hmm. again we see the wife come out and then the husband follows her and they watch Ethan and Marty come and right. now the daughter we introduce the love interest. But um it's it's recalling that domestic space which was destroyed. Right. Hey, remember why these guys are Remember doing why this. these guys are doing this and to now <clears throat> add Marty to the because they've been in the wild for two years, so yeah. now you're adding Marty to something outside the domestic space. Right, he's been sort of like the tag along up to this point, like right, right. He's the half breed nephew. Right, there's a really, there's a really, yeah, one eighth character. I just realized they couldn't, they couldn't see, see my, the quotes. My, quote, my air quotes. Yes, Car- Carl did not just drop half breed. <laughs> no. That is John Wayne's words from the film, and he did air quotes it heavily. We're gonna, we're just gonna say stuff that sounds very racist because. John Wayne says, says it. stuff that do, that doesn't sound very racist, but ge- genuinely is yes. intensely racist. So this is a hard movie to talk about in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. but it's very enlightening, especially in the context of now. But what that shot does is it reestablishes domestic space and um, like wild space. There's mm-hmm. a famous shot in Shane where there's people getting there's a funeral happening in the foreground and it's people around a grave right and in the background is the town controlled by the cattlemen and ranch interests so a lot of people do that and uh, blow it out into um like intimate community power power, like organized power but behind that behind the town is a mountain range which is the wild right yes. in this in the funeral scene in this movie there's a funeral and a huge monument valley mountain behind right it. behind so that i think is the wild and they're and a very impatient right Ethan. right yeah he's like, we ain't got to- all right say your amens damn it we gotta put go an a- i think he says put an amen on it yeah, but- <laughs> he's like i'm not done yet and he's like we ain't got time put an amen on it anyway so okay so and then what i think the other purpose of that scene we're talking about with the reestablishment of the domestic space is to show the call of that mm-hmm. domestic space to our ostensible protagonists right. because the girl is like come on she clearly loves marty she wants him to come stay home marry her and once give her babies once they've re-entered that domestic space i mean are you okay with such a deep reading of this no absolutely okay once they re-enter that domestic space we see what do we see we see john wayne kind of 
like a like a like a piece of grit in an oyster. Yeah. N- like not ever becoming not part com- of it. Yep. He moves in the domestic space fine. Yeah. He'll smoke and talk and right. he'll make jokes, but he's never part of it. Whereas Marty, Marty strips naked, extremely vulnerable. He's in the takes bathtub. a bath. Yep. He curls up under a blanket. John like Wayne, a little boy. Like right. He's a child. I think that, and I think that's an important point is that when Marty re-enters the domestic space, he becomes of it again, mm-hmm. whereas Ethan is never. And he loses years. Like he does become sort of like a child and right. very there's, comfortable in his domestic and, space. And, and yeah, and there's if it, at first it would, it's always surprising to see the weird like hijinks happening between Marty and I can't remember the girl's name, Lucy. No, Lucy's the sister who gets killed. Yeah. But Marty's Marty's love interest, the woman who is going to get married later on. Yes. So to see like their weird like oh she's splashing him in the bath. Right. It, but it's not frivolous mm. at all. It's showing, it's juxtaposing Ethan and Marty. Yep. It's showing the the different worlds of these two men and the different worlds of this the film. Hardened, the hardened military veteran it's who amazing. has a racist backbone and then the, the child that is Marty that was just sort of thrown into this situation. Right. So <clears throat> Of having to become something that he never thought he would have to become, which is one of the searchers. Like Right. The... Now the third, but he is the only person that stands up to Ethan, as it which turns is, out, which is amazing. He and, ends up being the the hero, and then well, and also in standing up to Ethan, bizarrely earns Ethan's begrudging respect. Begrudgingly, yeah. Like the, it's it's strange. You can tell that he's well, and we're, I am. We're jumping all over, but yeah. we can tell that he, um, when he sees the will. And finds out that Ethan has accepted him after seven years yeah. of just like calling him half breed, calling him blanket head. Right. Jesus. And yeah, like after seven years of abuse at this man's hands, to have that respect, you mm-hmm. can see him still bridle against the man. He and hates yet- the fact that here's my will, read it. Ah, I fucking hate that I'm giving you this will. Like you can see, he's not even happy with himself that he's accepted him. It's like, it's like the quint. That moment to me is like the quintessential like. We, uh, like the Western man moment, where right. it's like, well, we both have feelings, and neither of us are going to acknowledge them. Right. But and normally that would be like a cliche, like, oh well, and and also like kind of a bummer to watch in a right. in a world where now it's okay for men to be in touch with their feelings. Right. But there's a weird, there's a such a texture to the performances in that scene, mm-hmm. which we'll get to. But third shot, okay, the, and number three. I know we're and we're moving along, but that uh that third shot is when they find Look dead in the teepee, right? So when they, when John Wayne enters the teepee, let's get this scene, let's get a couple things on the table really fast. Ethan hates the Comanches. Yes. But he's also extremely familiar with their culture, yep. with their behavioral patterns, with their dietary patterns, with their, he's fluent in their language. Yes. So I want to talk about that Somebody for sure. Somebody teach you. But <laughs> I know that's a great exchange. But uh, but what we see is earlier in the film, when they first set out after the Comanche tribe, they find that one of the Comanches has died and been buried, buried under hidden. a rock. Yeah. And the party, the first party is much larger. And when they're going out to get the Comanches, they pull the rock aside 
and one of the guys they're like because you know they killed a settler family one guy's upset and he takes a rock and he throws, throws a rock on the yeah. body and everyone's like whoa 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 we can't de- you guys are desecrating right. a corpse and everyone's mortified yeah. and Ethan's response is to say shoots. why don't you finish the job shoots him twice man. he shoots his eyes out yeah Ethan takes his his revolver out and shoots the corpse twice in the face and shoots his eyes out and they're like everyone is they're not like whoa whoa ethan right. it's so violent and so beyond the pale that they're all stunned almost they to can't silence. Even, yeah it's pure disgust at the level of coldness that this man's displaying and the, the the reverend says i think it's the reverend says you know what'd you do that for and he says you know like or uh, what did that accomplish or something right, like right. that nothing and by says, your book nothing or... by yeah nothing by your book but to this command here it means that without his eyes, he can't find his way to the happy hunting ground and will be trapped forever yeah. wandering between the two worlds. He's so intimately familiar with their religious beliefs yep. that he can more effectively, like, fuck them up. Basically, he can <laughs> yeah. more effectively hate them yep. with his understanding. Oh, my God. But uh, so seeing that flash forward to the scene where he finds. Marty's, uh, that's all like a very weird comical right. bit where uh, he accidentally, he accidentally marries, marries a Comanche a woman. Squaw. Right, he marries a squad. Again, their words, not ours. Right. Um, but he goes into John, and it's not even Marty who finds her. When John Wayne walks John Wayne into the tent them, yeah. and finds, look, he doesn't like, yeah, another good, dead, dirty. He covers her. He covers with her, her with her blanket, the coveted blanket that she had, and then picks up her hat and cleans it off. Mm-hmm. Now, in that moment, I think this is extremely important for two reasons. We get another example of the dark interior space shot out through a doorway into the wilds beyond. And what we see beyond is destruction because the cavalry has destroyed that. Oh, it's a massacre. That settlement. So we're in the teepee in the domestic space, which is interesting because to this point in the film, so far, the, the Native Americans have never been equated with the domestic space. They've always been the danger outside. Right, outside, yep. But in this moment, who enters the domestic space freely is right. John Wayne. It's John Wayne, yeah. John Wayne enters this space, and when John Wayne is there, we cognitively reframe in the film and make this the domestic space, looking out at the wild and the destruction, and what is the wild and the destruction is the destruction, destruction of, of that encampment. Their, yeah. So I think that this is is a really heady moment yeah. where John Ford is is aligning John Wayne with the Native Americans and with the Comanches and his nomadic lifestyle, his right. integral be- knowledge of their of their beliefs and culture puts him in that camp. And in this moment where we see him being tender towards one of his what we would call hated enemies hated normally. Enemy, yeah. There's a there's almost a weird moment where now John Wayne is identified as Comanche. Right. There's a lot of that towards the end of the film. Like, well, when when they first find Debbie, like he's gonna kill her because she's become Comanche now, right? So right. his his hate for for the Native Americans is so so deep that he is willing to kill his niece because she's been with them for so long that. Well, she's she's not white anymore. She is now Comanche, so he is ready to to kill her. 
There's the there's the line when they go to the uh, cavalry encampment and right, see and they the, find the, the they see this, the the there was two there's thick three women three women that that, that were that captured had been captured had by, been right. captured by the the Comanche tribe right. and now they're basically they've all gone completely insane yes. and they're like one woman's clutching a doll and is mm-hmm. like you know they're all like ah, ah. it's like really really like it's crazy acting yeah, yeah. at its most extreme yeah. and in a weird way the performances are not goofy not silly oh, they're not they're kind of chilling yeah but there's a moment where the they're about to leave and the the cavalryman he's talking to says hard to hard to believe they're white and john wayne goes they, they ain't are white. they ain't white not anymore yep oh jesus that's that is that is ethan's surface thesis yeah right <laughs> Now, I say surface thesis because Ethan is a fucking astonishingly multifaceted character. Yes. I will not. There's a couple people who the online, if you read like a couple reviews, right. will defend like, oh, he's not really racist. No, he is. No, he, he is. is. Clearly. Well, I, we're making no bones about this. Ethan's a monster. Yes. An absolute monster. And the end of the movie, the last shot, look at that segue. <laughs> right. The, <laughs> <laughs> there's uh so there's there's two more shots that do that establish this dynamic and the last one supports the reading that Ethan is in fact a monster but ne- perhaps a necessary monster and perhaps a monster who has grown or who has changed since the beginning of the film. Okay. Um so there the fourth shot is when they finally run up to Debbie or when they finally find Debbie and Marty's trying to uh, she runs away yeah. and Ethan gets on his horse and he's just scalped scar right. he's holding his fucking scalp. Um, and he starts chasing down Debbie, pistol yep. drawn on his horse. And, and you're Marty, like, he's going to fucking kill Debbie. Because he's already tried to yep. once. He's already tried to kill her because she's, quote unquote, no, no longer no white. No longer white, yeah. So he r- tries to run Debbie down and Marty tries to stop him, right? He's like, no, Ethan, no. And there's a brief struggle. Him over, yeah. yeah, just bowls him right out of the way. But doesn't kill him, which I nope. think is important because that foreshadows what is about to happen with Debbie. They go up a hill in Monument Valley, California, and come down a hill 700 miles away. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it's not the same location. I found that out, which I thought was really cool. But it's uh, but Debbie, when we see Debbie running, she's running towards a cave. A cave, yes. And that shot comes from inside the super dark cave. Now, what this is to me is we started with a domestic space, which was like the idyllic domestic space. Yes. And then we moved into a domestic space after the first one had burned down. Then we moved into a teepee. And now we've moved to a cave. We've watched the domestic space degrade as Ethan has spent more and more time in the wild. And what domesticity means to him has also... Gone, has also shifted and changed. Yes. Debbie is sprinting towards that domestic cave, space yeah. because if she can, metaphorically, if she can get back into the domestic space, if she can... Then she's safe, right? Because she will have reestablished... I'm using this from Ethan's Ethan's perspective, the, the perspective of, gotcha. in Ethan's mind. If she, can be, if she can cease to be of the other and start to once again become... Essentially, domestic, uh, like um, domestic, or m- made white right. again in Ethan's eyes. If she can move from one space to another, then she can will. live. Right. And he is frantically trying to stop her from doing that. 
chasing her on horseback, yeah. Which is interesting when we look again at how Ethan has been aligned with the Comanche. And when he finally does, she's just in the mouth of the cave when he gets off. Yeah, in the liminal space when he grabs her. Right. And holds, like, picks her up. Right. Into her the air. Her fear is and so incredible. And then he just, he coddles her and says, let's go home, he Debbie. He swings her into his arms and says, let's go, let's go home, Debbie. Ugh. Talk to me, Carl. Fuck. Oh, man. You've done a very good job of, of speaking clearly about this. I'm really fucking hungover. (laughs) (laughs) It's daylight savings day, man. Listeners, yeah. um, Both Carl and I were out very long last... We were out long time last night. We were out long time. Oh my god. And... We both forgot that today was the spring forward. Oh, spring forward. Daylight savings Perfect. Time. So I went to bed around 1, mm. and my alarm went off at 7, which meant 6, which yes. meant 5, five hours of sleep. Exactly. <laughs> I'm oh shocked my. I'm doing as I well can't as even I am. Bl- uh, you did very well, I'm sir. Stringing I'm so proud of together. you right now, like, in the fact that I'm like following along with what you're saying and comprehending it. I'm like, I'm super proud of myself right now. I know. Now. I can see you're nodding at all the right points. I'm like, he's still with me. He's still with me. Like, <laughs> Like glazed over. <laughs> There's tears, but they're not sad tears. No. It's just like I feel so bad. How is it possible to have dry tears? I have I don't know. dry tears. I know right I can now. see them. It's like <laughs> a weird. It's crusty. like glue. It's like glue. <laughs> it's terrible. Um. Uh. So no. And then of course. Of course, uh, it, there's. It doesn't even really bear. I wrote down liminal space with two exclamation. Yeah, which is a concept I think we introduced in the first episode. I think so. Like I've been, I've been obsessed with liminal space now. I can't not see it. (laughs) I I find myself standing in liminal space. I'm like, I'm just always in doorways and hallways now. Like, I'm in the liminal space. I'm between worlds right now. (laughs) And then every once in a while, you want to just like turn to the person next to you, and you're like, right now I'm in the kitchen. But watch this. When I take a step. I'm, I'm in now the in the living room. room. <laughs> you know where it was in between that? It's in the liminal, liminal space. space. I was pure potential for one moment, and then yep. I, you ultimately, as all heroes do, where are you going? Come back. Right, come back. <laughs> so the the way I've got this, my notes are so sporadic on this. But it's hard I not like, to take I like notes to, But the way, the way that I write notes is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to share a couple with you uh, and our audience. Um, so one of the notes that I have is, the Duke is a racist asshole. Yeah. So that's one note. Very good, the, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> My giant diatribe the on the diatribe, And space. I have, the Duke is a racist <laughs> asshole. But this is why it's important, why this is the two of us work well together, right. is yeah. I feel like I'm the color commentary. <laughs> Yin, yang, right. I'm and, uh, I'm the Joe Rogan MMA commentary. Right, right, the right. The other right. guy's like, what a punch in oh the my, face he, that was. He knocked his fucking teeth out. <laughs> Um, so the other thing I have, uh, oh, the, so the breakfast, so a couple of scenes that, that stood out to me, right? Just like, ca- so the breakfast scene, which one, uh, the one before the, f- the first one where the, the reverend comes the to reverend the house and he's, house. I sure do like those donuts. Oh miss, I haven't had my yep. coffee yet. There's Great like, business. there's like 10 people in this house having breakfast. They all have their own business. Some of it's happening, uh, in the foreground. Some is in the background as people are talking over each other. And I couldn't help but think about. Like one of the the modern directors that does that very well, Steven Spielberg, is on record as my favorite director. Right. So something that Steven Spielberg does very well and probably better than anybody else is the family dinner table scene. The Close Encounters of the Third Kind is a very good example of it, where where uh, Richard Dreyfuss and his wife and his kids they're all like talking about different things. The kids talking about one thing, and there there are multiple conversations, multiple conversations going on, but you never feel 
as an audience member watching it, like, you know, like, oh shit, there's too much going on here. I can't follow what's happening. Mm. It's happening so organically and naturally that you're just sort of like another person sitting at the table and, 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 and witnessing this, this family. Right. But in Jan- and obviously Steven Spielberg has had to have been a fan of John Ford. Right. As right. 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 I think, yeah, as, that is like the most amazing. As, as soon as like that scene was happening, I'm like, holy fuck. Well, in this January, is, this we're gonna, is how you film. Yeah, there'll be another that natural. Story. There'll be another director who's very good at this in January. Sofia Coppola does. Um, oh, fair does enough. does like incidental background dialogue very well. But from a, you're totally right. From a performance standpoint, when you have two people in a room talking, that is that is one amount of rehearsal and mm-hmm. one level of performance. Yes. Can you imagine? Both of us have have performed. Um, you obviously much more than I, but can you imagine the rehearsal that would go into Insane. having that many moving parts and then make it all seem casual? Yeah, and the camera that's, doesn't move. The camera is locked in one. It's, it's one a static shot. shot. Yep. Yeah. And just, now ugh. to get back into like uh, deeper, like the deeper end of the pool, the highfalutin. Right. <laughs> I think that that performance that or that that scene that that uh, that performance dynamic that you note there, where mm-hmm. it's uh, the Reverend comes in and he sits down, and I sure do like those donuts. Oh, Andy. that coffee's real good. It's I almost like a... Andy Devine's like, oh, what are you cooking? Yeah, a yeah. couple of steaks. <laughs> yep. And he just, you, I like that thing in the West where you come into someone's house around and breakfast they time. They have food. They just feed you. Yep. Like, constantly people are just being fed. But anyway, like, the daughters are running around, oh, I forgot to pour your coffee, and there's a lot of bustle and business yep. and hustle. And again, in the domestic space, everyone is cohesive. Yep. Everything flows. It, everyone is natural. And in the background, Ethan opens the door and yep. comes and he out. he comes in slowly. Does not participate at all. Nope. In fact, his first interaction is essentially as, like, an aggravating force to the reverend when he's like he like leans over and the reverend stands up and he's yeah, like hey reverend Ethan. and a, a uh, ranger yep and the first thing that the guy says to him is like you know uh, uh you match a lot of descriptions oh right because he's a he's a texas ranger so he's he's, a, he's yeah and ethan is potentially i think it's well, he wants to swear him in he's like well that would be a, a felony or whatever he's, he's like, like why like, you got it, warrants it wouldn't matter anyway yeah right. he's like it wouldn't be legal and he's like yeah. why have you committed a crime and basically this is when we find out that ethan hasn't renounced his oath to the confederacy but it also it also um kind of is like a, a double tap on something we saw in a previous scene when ethan pays his brother in gold in untouched un newly minted gold which yeah suggests that perhaps Ethan has robbed stolen a bank it, yeah. or stolen it from somewhere yeah. and then the rev- the ranger I guess he's the reverend ranger yeah reverend ranger <laughs> but reverend ranger is basically like you match a lot of descriptions mm-hmm. so we get the sense that Ethan has been an outlaw yeah for three years post civil war it's right. pretty clear that he is he like, has, he's done some illegal yeah. stuff he is again outside that 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 domesticity I think John Wayne's performance which we should start to talk about yeah. but John mm-hmm. Wayne's performance when he he when he enters that room there's all this bustle and hustle and bustle and as he gets closer and closer it dies down and dies down for partially because as a director you want your audience focused on the interaction between these two men yes but also because he's like a almost like a threatening force mm-hmm. entering the frame oh clearly you know what I mean like he it's like it's like it's like the the prey animal scenting danger because he's not oh of God. them. It's incredible. Yeah. This film is fucking incredible, Carl. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so <clears throat> it's it, it's been years since I watched this movie, but when obviously the opening shot I knew I was like, oh yeah, this movie's great. But 
it's when the the moment that I knew that that I remembered how fantastic this film is mm. was it's after John Wayne and and the posse has gone out to 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 research or look after the the cows have been killed or whatever. So right, and we find out later that the Comanche have actually it's it's a ploy to get the the men away right. from the, a, the home to to it's a distraction, it's a distraction right? Yeah. So that scene when. Uh, they leave uh, Ethan's brother is still home with his wife and they're getting ready for dinner. And the way the, the, the use of light in that scene where it's dusk, but the sun has that eerie, like orangish yellow glow and is just spilling into the home. And it's, you know that something is wrong. Like the dogs are acting weird. It's the golden hour, but it has a weird, it's, it's very super high, eerie high plains drifter. Oh yes, it's absolutely. Very High Plains Drifter, that mm-hmm. like almost paranormal. Yeah, it's feel. like hell, right? So it's, fuck yeah. So, oh and, my god! And the the like, so they don't need to show anything. You know, they they're not having a conversation about. Oh, I think there might be Comanche out there. No, He's, like, he go grabs. I'm gonna go see a couple of quail before right. dinner. Oh. But he grabs his pistol. pistol too. His, and so you can tell that the mom is not what a, quite right. What a great. Bit and of then business. when the when the daughter realizes what's going on because of the the. Don't light the lantern and yet. And she blows it out. she blows it out. And the daughter realizes why everyone's oh acting so weird. And that look on her face before she screams right. was, is, is so chilling. It's even more horrifying than the scream. Yeah. But the, the bits, the little bits of business mm-hmm. in that scene, yeah. that is one of the, that the structure of that scene, the way that that scene is, that they, they establish... The horror, the mounting horror, because you can see it doesn't just start like, oh, no, there's some engines. There's something out there. No, no. It starts with like there might be something. And that that element of the unknown where he 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 well, he comes inside and she hears him pick up the shotgun and she looks and he's like, I don't want to worry you yet. Right. Okay. What she actually hears is him grabbing the shells. Yeah. And she turns and she's like, are we okay? Are we all right? What's happening here? And he's like, no, no, I'm just going to. Shoot some, some quail. quail and you can see that she doesn't buy it. Yep. There's an awesome bit of business where he grabs the pistol and then when he is when he he basically makes his holster swing. Yes. So she turns and doesn't see him take the pistol but, but sees, sees the, the holster swinging holster swinging, and yes. infers. So now mom is being chill. She's yep. like go go wash your hands kids and uh Lucy comes out and goes to light a lantern. She's like we don't need a lantern yet. Why don't we just this enjoy is, the so dusk? Nice. Yeah, yeah. And there's this everyone Everyone is like the kids are a little off, but now the parents are like, it's like this beautiful, like slow increase of pressure. Yep. And then you see the dad go outside. And when the dad comes back in and slams the door, the mom's like, okay, we have to keep the kids calm. But you can see the moment where they're all like, I think we're all fucked. Right. Yes. They get to a moment where the parents are, they have accepted like prairie life. Like they're like, they know we're in trouble. We're in trouble. We're, we're, in deep, we're deep probably right all now. going to die, but we don't want to panic the kids for as long as possible. And Lucy comes in with that lit and lantern, lights the lantern and she screams Lucy and blows it out. And Lucy realizes there's no other reason for like, mom to be acting like that and blow out the lantern. And dad be standing there with a handgun and a shotgun. Yep. Except we're all going to die. <laughs> we are so fucking deeply the, fucked right now. F- especially with a couple of young actors. There's I mean, yeah. there's two adults, but Lucy's fairly young. That scene is so well acted. Yeah, it it's, made me... I was a wreck 
by the time they they oh. they ditched uh, Debbie out the window, yeah, I was I'm just like uncomfortable and like oh, just the the tension of that entire scene. That's that slow burn, right? Right, but just like you you explained perfectly, it's, it's that little. <laughs> No, maybe nothing's happening. That that slow burn is like filling a, a balloon very slowly with air until it's ready I, to pop. Oh my goodness! And I think part of what makes this movie like we both agree, the man who shot Liberty Valance is a that's a phenomenal film. Yes, that's one of the greats. Yes, but this is so the reason I think that this is so much better because I think I was about to say the yeah. reason that this is like this this transcends genre to go back to that to touch that cliche one more time right right, um, right. is is just there is I, I used the phrase earlier but there is texture to yes. the performances there's no one in here even Moe's a lot of people are like oh crazy. I love Moe's oh dude but thank those, you kindly those like, performance just, yeah oh the my performance God. touches that, that actor and just like yeah. There's nobody who's like, and again, I love Andy Devine. You love Andy. Devine. Oh yeah, absolutely. But when, but you, he's a character, right? right? And yeah. You don't. You almost don't believe he's. He's yeah. He's an archetype. Right. He's like the jester or yes. whatever. Everyone in this movie is a person. Yeah. There is even Moe's, who is like he could. He he's could the have, comic. He could have been. He's the fool, right? So it's like you could have played him a different way, but like when you get Moe's and Moe's fucked up super hurt and delirious and he's still after his rocking chair yep. that bit where he's you like, promised me my rocking chair ethan like jesus right i mean there's a god damn when he's like you don't think i'm crazy miss and she goes no Moses, i think you're just you're just uh t- like tired and hurt tired and, sick hurt and hurt yeah yeah oh no, you're was, sick and hurt he's yeah. like you know Moses, i think you're sick and hurt and he goes thank you ma'am and you're like Fucking shit! Everyone in this movie, Everyone. every actor, Brett takes it to like takes it to ten. But John Wayne's this is the John Wayne. A lot of time can have that like Levi's well, he's swagger. Sw- well, he's, he's people remember <clears throat> John Wayne from like Stagecoach, yeah. or like he's the the gunslinger. Blah blah blah. What he's John Wayne or but Rooster I've, Cockburn? Ro- or, right, right, exactly. But but there was a lot more going on he's with him. Capable, yeah, absolutely. Of so much. His non-Western movies are phenomenal too. Like his, uh, uh, some of his war films. Are his really war good. films are amazing. But but a lot of even in those, there's a lot of like I'm the square jawed right, guy yeah. who has one set of like the, what he manages with Ethan. He not often. Do you, John Wayne's a good actor. Yeah. But in this film, John Wayne is a great actor. He's not John Wayne in this movie. No, you see, he's well, Ethan. He's, like his. he's not the Duke. He's he's a guy who's vanishing into this role because there's there's stuff he does with dialogue and line delivery which are amazing but in this time period you don't often see a lot of actors doing like truly incredible things with like facial expression or not looking at something like looking away from something during line deliveries like he has very fine his reaction to his reaction to so we don't see when the oldest daughter is killed we we don't find that out until after he's discovered. So there's a scene where he goes into a ravine. The 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 war party that has taken the two girls has split. Right. And he sends uh he sends Marty and and Billy. I think maybe I Billy. Think, yeah, Billy it's, is Lucy's boyfriend. Yes, yes, yes. So he sends Marty and Billy off on one track, and sends and he goes the other way. And I think. I don't think it's chance that he goes the way where right. Lucy is. I think that John because we've 
we've seen again and again and again. John Wayne knows exactly what type of spear right. this is, and he knows why certain yeah. things are done certain ways. He's familiar. I feel like he knows that he, what he's going to discover. He might suspect because he doesn't right. seem distraught immediately, but you can tell there's a there's like this this thing he does where he where he. Uh, very, very. He's always yelling, like yes. you know, like, "Well, you don't you give me another, like that sort of thing." But when he says, "Ah, oh, you guys go on that way. I'll take this way," and they hesitate, and he goes, "Go on, move." Yep. There's, I can't even describe it. You'd have to see it for yourself. But there's a difference in his yell when he's like, "Well, don't you tell me what to do?" And there's almost a note of fear. Yeah. When he tells them to move. Like, get out of here. Like, don't go that way. We see him do this again earlier in the movie mm-hmm. when the family is slaughtered and he goes to that bunkhouse. Oh, right. Which is another shot of the domestic space in ruin, which, my God, that when John Wayne comes over to that and looks in and sees, we ostensibly sees the slaughtered family, yes. sees Martha dead and his brother dead. And does not allow Marty to go in. Marty's going to go look. And he says, he says, no, like, don't let him in there. And he punches him to save him that horror. Yeah. Same thing here when he's and when he thinks possibly he knows what's at the end of this trail and they're like, well, maybe we'll. And he goes, he doesn't brook any any argument. Nope. He says no, and he takes that on himself because he he's someone's got to go bury your Christian. I mean, he oh god, he wrapped her in his blanket. He dug a grave with his bare hands. Yeah, with his knife, like (laughs) Jesus. Yeah, when he gets back, when he gets back, and it's like the Duke's talking about. Well, yeah. It's it's not oh my god that that performance when he yeah. before they find out that Lucy's dead when he comes back and he's like yeah nothing's wrong nothing's wrong didn't you have your your coat on you it's like yeah, oh you're... must have left it somewhere I don't know dude his he's you can tell like some shit has he looks, gone he looks like he's gonna throw yeah, up like he's gonna barf he's he pulls this knife out and he's, he's just digging it in the sand just like yep. digging and oh my god he's digging in the sand yeah like he probably was doing like 30 minutes yep. ago. But he's like, and he sits on the ground. We've Not often, he seems so dejected and heavy. Yeah. And he's just on the ground. And they're like, what did you see? And he's like, but he, he buries it, but unsuccessfully. Yep. It's, there's like, it's around it's the just, edges. It's just that next scene when, when they, they come, acro- they, 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 fi- find they find the, the, the war the party tribe. has yeah. re- The war tribe. Yeah, war it's, party. it's a war party because right, they, they talk about um, Scar as being a war chief. Yes. But they, the party has reconvened and made camp. The the Comanche tribe yes. has reconvened and made camp and Billy scouts ahead and he comes back and he's, he's like, overjoyed. hey, they're there. Oh my gosh, I found I saw the girls. Lucy. Yeah. Well, he didn't see Debbie, but he's like, he saw Lucy, he's like right. I saw Lucy. I saw Lucy. She's like, fine. No, and John goes, you didn't see Lucy. And he's like, I did. I saw her. And he's like, that was a buck in a dress. And he tells him that he found Lucy dead and he goes... Did they? And it, for the third time, John Wayne protects somebody from the from horror. The, yeah. And he says, what, what do you want me to spell, spell it out, out for you? you? Don't ever ask me again. Oh, my God. Yeah. Don't you ever ask me again for your entire life. Never ask and me he again. Doesn't, the thing that I love about that is he, he looks at him when he says, what do you want me to spell it out for you? And that's his anger response. Yeah. But when he says... And looks away from Billy and says, don't ever ask me again. He's protecting himself yep. from having to relive Have that. Have to relive that. Yep. Oh, my God. And that's the only time we see John Wayne show, like, true brokenness. He, he, he swoons on the ground into his arm. Like, he, he lays on the ground in a posture that's almost, I would say, classically a feminine posture. Right. right? Where you're, like, sprawled out and your head is down. Yep. It's, it is the most 
it's the most utter picture of despair that you can imagine. That's the only time we see that amount of weakness in John yeah. Wayne's character. And right after that, Billy goes off Billy to die. Billy goes, oh, yeah. He charges in. Charges in. So a couple of notes I have. Yeah. Because of the charging in. And yes. we've been talking about it. Oh, I just found it. So just to go back to the, the, the scene just before the 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 raid on the on the on the home is I wrote down shit. <laughs> they dead. Oh. They all dead. Anyway, that's my actual note. Uh. Shit, they dead, they all dead. Um so there's that classic like so I'm gonna talk about Spielberg again because mm-hmm. that's I'm want to do. So Jaws. You know, they couldn't get the shark to work, right? So they right. wanted the shark in, in a lot more scenes, and so they had to do a workaround where you don't see the shark. So there's that classic thing is showing the showing the thing or not showing the thing. Right. And there's that argument of, is it better to show the violence or not show the violence? Do you show the body? Do you not show the body? So there are very specific scenes <laughs> and then where we... John Ford and Martin Scorsese. And <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, in between watching uh, The Searchers and Unforgiven, I watched The Hateful Eight again. And that's all about showing the violence, right? Well, so So, in in some ways, so is Unforgiven. So is Unforgiven. But in this movie, if I missed missed a couple of scenes, then we can talk about that. But I did a little breakdown of when you see the violence and when you don't see the violence. There's only like two scenes I could think of where you actually see people being killed or you see the violence. It's the... The battle at the river right. when you have the large posse when they get flanked by the by the war party mm-hmm. and they have to go across the river and they sort of hole up a bit and they shoot the Comanche as they're coming across the river. Right. Right? You yep. see that violence. And then the brief gunfight when Debbie first escapes from the Comanche mm-hmm. when they find her and she runs away from them. And it's, I think they're on the other side of a river again where... Debbie is running down that little hill and the the Comanche come after them and John Wayne gets shot by an arrow and so you see that violence, right? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think the other times that there's violence, even when Scar is killed, you don't see him get shot. You see Marty shoot his pistol, but you don't see... You don't see Scar die. And and when John Wayne scalps scalps him, him, we cut away. We see the scalp. You see the knife and you see the scalp, but you don't don't see the violence happen. That's interesting because you you almost never see the violence, but you 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 almost always see the aftermath. Like the raid on the the prairie home. You don't see that, but you see the bloody dress. You see the burnt homestead and John Wayne's reaction. The cavalry wiping out the camp you don't yep, see you that, don't see that. You, you see them the crossing a river there's a lot of crossing of rivers in this there's a, like, a lot that, of liminal spaces. a lot of liminal spaces but um uh, there's also Harry a... Carey Jr. riding into this <laughs> Harry Carey Jr.'s Billy yeah riding into the camp you hear him getting killed but you don't see it the young daughter's death you see you see John Wayne's reaction to Right. To discovering you, her body, but you never see her body. You never, you just see John Wayne's reaction you to see, it. You see Natalie Wood's film debut as Debbie, but you don't see Christopher Walken as maybe a drowning her year off old, of a, a boat. Right. Well, no, that's, I mean, did you know that that's Natalie Wood? That's the the woman who had the mysterious Hollywood drowning boat thing? I had no idea that's who that was. That's Natalie Wood, yeah. Yeah. I only knew that because it was in the, yeah. Anyway, um, I had a note about the violence thing, which I said all of the the violence in this movie is all at a distance. Yes. Um, We do see... Like for example, when the the river scene, yeah. there's a lot of shooting and a lot of people falling off horses, but there is no up close and personal nope. violence. It's all very wide, violence very, at a yep. distance, and I wasn't exactly sure what to make of that. Mm-hmm. 
um, it, it felt important because so often in Westerns, you see the the close-up pistol shootout. You see right. people clutching their chest and falling over. But all of the violence here is at a distance. Now, the, the river scene, I'm glad you brought this up because there's, in my opinion, there's a reversal of the river scene later. When we watch the river scene, the way that it's primarily framed is that the cowboys are on the left and yep. the Indians are on the right. I'm using super simple terminology. Right, yeah. John Wayne is just blasting, blasting. And what do we see? We see John Wayne like go into a kill frenzy yeah. where he's just blam, blam. And then they, they start retreating and he goes to shoot the retreating and wounded in the back. And the Reverend stops him and says, let them take their, uh, they're, their they're wounded, wounded and they're dead. dead. Yeah. And he's like, all right, from here out, I'm on my own. He takes like three steps and turns, and around, turns around and, and shoots him in again. the back. Yeah. Now, later in the scene with the buffalo where John Wayne and Mar- or, uh, where Ethan and Marty come across the buffalo herd because they need some meat. And John Wayne starts shooting rampantly as there's a stampede of buffalo. Yeah. We've flipped it. Um, and but well, basically, what I'm drawing is a parallel. Like right. we see a, st- a stampede of thing, innocent things running away, trying to save themselves, and John Wayne just firing and firing and firing. And his whole thing, he's trying to kill all the buffalo so that the Indians starve, right? So that the Comanches starve. That is a whole new level of like genocidal hatred. Yep. Can, that this is he can't even control himself. This is our think about this. This is our POV character. This is our hero. Yeah, he's. He's trying to massacre an entire herd of buffalo to starve out and exterminate a, a tribe of Comanche, a people. Right? Yeah, an entire people. Jeez. What I now and what I like about this, westerns often get taken to task for their their. Before I get into that bigger point, we have flipped our our orientation, and now when we primarily when we see this scene, John Wayne is on the quote-unquote, on the right, firing at the buffalo on the left. It's like a mirror image of the river scene. Got you. And I would argue that that's not just like for for fun, for nice symmetry, but because now John Wayne has been in the wild. At that this point, it's like this is the part of the five-year jag where yeah. they're out for the long haul looking for Debbie. John Wayne has reverted. He's no longer part of a band of white men fighting an other. Right. He's now part of that wilderness and has established that way. He's on the other side of the mirror. He's on, he's in the upside down. He's in the upside down. <laughs> no, but he's, yeah. he's, he's flipped. He's now like, he's a man who's constantly like going back and forth between a swinging door. Oh you know what God. I mean? Yeah. And now he's on the other side of that door. He's through the looking glass. He, yes, yes. And that's what, Ethan that's what that reversal is yeah. about. And I, I absolutely love that. I think that that's incredible. What an incredible touch. Ugh. And but think about that too. We we only see one buffalo go down, but the 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 hatred on Ethan's face, on John Wayne's face, that perform. It's really hard for actors sometimes to get like true anger, rage, or ha- especially hatred, because hatred's a very visceral emotion. Yes. And I think that it can be tricky to fake because I can only think of two times I've ever seen what I would call true like disturbing hatred on an actor's face on film and it's ethan when he's shooting the buffalo and it's robert de niro's character before he pulls the trigger for the last time in the first um oh uh, in deer hunter in deer hunter holy when he's got when they've got like three or i think it's three or four when like the last time before they start shooting the vietnamese when he has the gun to his head for the last time he looks the vietnamese guy in the eye and just screams yep 
there's not words there's not even like inflection it's just like a scream and that is pure hatred robert de niro should should forever be one of the greats he is well he is but clearly it, but and there's a lot of nuance and that cab driver movie that really one good. cab driver movie did with scorsese scorsese but seriously that scream that that hate that yeah. he was able to get in that moment is one of the great acting moments in my opinion yeah it's not line delivery man it's really not it's, it's like a visceral i mean you have to get there right it's a you different, have to get there. there's a difference between acting and like uh Acting and acting like you're acting. Right. Like right, right, I'm right. gonna be angry now. And like <laughs> let me get like to to have that the classical that Grecian tr- poses. That, to have that truth right. to your performance, you have to get there. Yeah. Like you actually have to hate that person for that brief moment of time. That's what you I have like to get yourself to that place where you hate that person. Yeah. That's the only way to make that real. Yeah. I had And heard... for an actor to get there, I mean, there's that is fucking deep shit <laughs> yeah it's and it can be it's and it's i think in a lot of ways it can be damaging too but oh like, absolutely that's that's part of what makes these performances especially we're to, for the searchers what makes john wayne's performances performance here so compelling is that there's almost like an, there feels like there's an element of danger yes not even necessarily to his character which there is but to like the actor himself yeah like he's doing things to his own like to himself yep. that are that are that don't feel quite safe although in John Wayne's defense, um, not not that no, you know he's, he's definitely like his politics are very right wing, and I don't like them very much. Sure. But on this movie, he did do. There are several fun stories from set about like what a uh, specifically on this movie how uh, well like what a good guy he was right. during the filming of this. There was a a young Navajo boy. All of the Native Americans in this film, by the way, are Navajo. The language they speak is Navajo. The uh, Comanche death song is actually basically just like a like a like a Navajo party song where they all just kind of <laughs> chill out and sing. It's like a they call it like the song of the squaw or something like that. Um, the only Native American who's not Native American is, is Scar. Scar, the <laughs> yeah, whitest, the whitest Comanche. Comanche ever. Yeah, I wrote that down. I was like, this should have been called. I, I wrote when I got to his first reveal. I'm right. like, the sequel, Scar, the whitest Comanche. <laughs> He's a German. He's a German. He's right. a German-born actor. But um, there was a Navajo boy who got really sick. And uh, they were like out in Monument Valley. So they were like, oh, shit. Like he was sick. And John Wayne was like, uh, he went and he called, he went and got his pilot and was, cause John Wayne is John Wayne. He right, has a yeah. private jet and he was like, fly this boy to the, fly this boy to the hospital right now. And so basically right. they, like he got him on a private Gave jet. Gave the keys to his private jet. Private like, jet. Yeah. Which I mean, you know, like that sounds like what a bourgeois bastard, right. but, but he probably <laughs> saved this kid's life. Right. And the second thing was the woman who played look, have you heard, have you heard this story? No, I haven't. The woman who played look, um, when they were shooting that scene where they find her body, yes. John Wayne came into one of the teepees where she was sitting and she was crying and he's like, oh, what's going on? Are you all right? I mean, he's probably like, was what's your on, problem? What's going on? Why lady? are you crying? <laughs> you know, but um, she was like, oh, you know, it's not, it's okay. I just, you know, you make sacrifices for your craft. And my, her son was getting married like the next day or the day after oh, shit. and she had to shoot her scenes. So she wasn't going to be at her son's wedding. And John Wayne was like, well, John Ford, we're not shooting for the next three days. He just shut the <laughs> whole production shit. down and flew her out to California so she could go see her son's wedding. He often went and picked up um, the actress who plays Lucy was yes. still in high school at the time, and he would drive to her high school and pick her up for shoots. 
Wow. Yeah, himself. Like, you just go get her and be like, all right, we got to go make a movie now <laughs> and pick her up after oh school. So, I mean, yeah, like, he's playing a very, very, uh, like, a despicable character, but at the same time, and he has some really questionable politics sometimes. Sure, but sure. at the same time, he's, uh, he's, a, he's a nice guy in his own way. God, oh, my I just, God. I just fell in love with the Duke a lot. For being a, such a despicable character, it's like this this movie, I feel like the man who shot Liberty Valance... If you want, if you want an introduction to John, if you want an introduction to John Wayne, those two movies are those two movie are really good. And the Quiet Man, I think, would be right up there. Yeah. Um, if you want a fun one, if you want a fun one where you don't have to do the mental gymnastics we're doing right now, right? True Grit. Oh, absolutely. Rooster Cogburn is one of just like it's just a fun movie. Fun. Yeah. But if you want, if you want his great performances, I think Liberty Valance and this. Are probably two of the best. If you're if you're ready to deal with some really uncomfortable issues, yeah. Stagecoach is awesome. Yeah. But well, that's just the one big chase scene, essentially, right? Well, like, yeah. But there's also there's like a lot of earlier stuff where he's hanging out with them, where basically him and his crew are hanging out with the Mexicans as the stagecoach oh, right, yeah, yeah. moves along. But basically, that movie is a that movie's hard. That movie's tricky to watch unless you're really ready to deal with um, early racial right. American history. But it's well, great. It's, it's a great. Film. I mean, that can be said, but. A lot of movies that were that were filmed and came out in like the forties and fifties had like these underpinnings of like yeah of race. Yeah. It's and hard not stuff. to. It's hard not to. I mean, that was just like where the world was, and like we haven't really come that far. I mean, <laughs> when you think about things, but can we jump entirely off of what we're talking about Absol- now on something else? Absolutely. Did you notice the stunt pistol misfire during the river scene? Yes. When, <laughs> when the when, Reverend, yeah, when he well, John Wayne tosses him the pistol, is <laughs> like, be careful, him, be careful, it's, it's loaded. loaded, and he misfires. He yeah, catches it and like. As it's like aiming Shoots down between the, his legs, yeah. it fires, yep. and you can see the actor like like he's like fuck, fuck. yeah yep. he like has a moment, and then he like it's great where he like I think it's I love even it in is. character he like brushes it off yep. and like cocks it again and gets the pistol <laughs> yep. up and starts firing. I definitely there's noticed definitely, that. Definitely though, there's I was a like, definite, oh, he misfired. <laughs> he almost like, shot his foot off. You can see that guy shitting his pants. <laughs> yep. Because they're all, it's all blanks, but still. But still. The, or with those, it would be, uh, it, those were probably all percussion revolvers rather right. than cartridge revolvers because it's easier to get that lot of smoke. That you pop just, and that big smoke. Right, because yeah. you just overpack the overpack the, the cylinder yep. and then use, you know, the wadding will shoot out. You'd still fuck you yourself still up fuck with that wadding. Well, that's how but Brandon s- Lee died, right? So No, Brandon Lee died. Um, with, quick aside on Brandon Lee because I really like this. I, I I'm so it was such a loss. Right. But the the story of how he died is just such a great. If if you work creatively at all and do anything with guns, it's just. I, um, you know how you're not allowed on the theater set to touch to, props yes. in between scenes? This is fucking why. Uh, a stuntman, there's two different types of, of movie cartridges for guns. One is uh, a blank that has no round in it, but an extra load of powder, so it makes a big bang and a big flash, but there's no projectile. The other one's called a dummy round. Those have no powder, but they have a bullet. So for scenes where you are oh, well, loading, you see the, right. well, yeah, when they're loading a magazine, you have to see that bullet, but they're they're dead. There's no there's, there's no powder. However, the way that cartridges work is they still have a primer on the back. That little spark that ignites the gunpowder. Yes. What happened was someone was fucking around with a gun and they loaded in those dummy cartridges and they pulled the trigger on one because you know it's, there's no gunpowder, but that primer created enough of an explosion that it pushed the bullet out of the casing into the barrel, but not out of the barrel. Oh, fuck. 
Because there's a little explosion that ignites the bigger right, explosion yeah. when you fire a bullet. So that little explosion, that primer fire, pushed the bullet into the barrel. And then they're like, oh, when they unloaded everything and didn't notice that one of the bullets was missing, that gun got loaded because when you when you look at when you spun the cylinder, I think it was, they think it was a revolver. Right. But when you spin the cylinder, they're all empty. But there right. is a bullet in the barrel. In the barrel of the gun. So then they loaded it with blanks for the scene where Brandon Lee gets shot on the table. And they loaded it with blanks. And the force of that double powder load for the blank fired that bullet out of the barrel and Brandon Lee legit got shot. Fuck me. Because of people fucking around with their props. Yep, you don't touch that's, someone's prop. That's why movies today, that's why the that's why every movie you see with a gun has a quartermaster listed. That guy watches those guns like a fucking hawk. Yep. And uh, this guy, this guy had a little fun moment on set where yep. he accidentally uh, killed him and then pissed himself, which is yep. great. Oh my god, it's 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 you know knowing knowing the Brandon Lee story makes it, that sort of stuff scary, but it's yeah. kind of fun to watch him misfire that gun. You're like, ooh, ooh, ooh you're ooh, sweating. You, you almost yeah shot your dick off, your, sir. Your flop sweat in the next scene is totally real. <laughs> that that yeah, I love little stuff like that. Yep. Catching that 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 pistol misfire. I mean. I, I can keep going. I mean, are you seriously? Done no, I don't. Fuck. Okay. I don't know. There's so Martha, much. How about Martha and John Wayne? Or how about Martha and Ethan? Jesus, Martha. So it's clear there's something going on there. Right. Like she is gawking at him. We're back to the beginning of the movie when yeah, Ethan she's first got them, shows up. At she's the got them bedroom eyes for him. Like for hard sure. Core. For. <laughs> Yeah, she yeah. she want she wants that pretty bad right there. Right, Bird is now awake and making breakfast. But yeah, Bird watched part of the Searchers with me yesterday, and the only thing she saw was like that girl. She wants John Wayne. She's <laughs> right. after the Duke. The Duke. She wants the Duke. But uh, what I wanted to say about them in particular is like. You know, you can tell that his brother kind of knows something's up. Kind of. Kind of. But he feels like conf- You can There's like a weird confidence where he's like, because he does invite Ethan to stay and Ethan's right. like, I'll pay my way. And there's a weird animosity between the brothers. Right. However, um, did you pick up on at all, by the way, that Debbie might be Ethan's? There's uh <laughs> there's there's a for me there's like a de- there's a definite they're they're uh they're like weird bedroom eyes is right. more than just like I like you. It's you know more what I mean? like there's a history there's a history because it's it if it had just been like a little batting of the eye it could just be it's like oh thing. she thinks he's a John Wayne character now there's a specific moment I want to point to that reinforces I think the idea of an affair a specifically sexual affair. At the end, when everyone's been deputized to go chase the cattle rustling Comanches, yep. the reverend is standing at the kitchen table with a donut and a cup of coffee, and he's staring like straight ahead-ish, but he's, like slightly to his yep. right. And Martha and John Wayne come together just to his left, behind him, just behind him, and she like hands him his coat and his hat, and she's looking up at him the way it's it's yeah. unmistakable that the performance there is she's looking up at him the way that a wife would look at a husband like going away to war yep. or whatever if you just took that scene out that of context love and longing in that yeah if you took that scene out of context 100 out of 100 people would say they're That's, married they're married those two people are fucking each other all the time <laughs> but so john wayne 
John Wayne like leans down and kisses Martha on the, on the forehead, forehead yeah. so tenderly and she closes her eyes and there's almost like a shiver and I think the most important portion of that scene is not their performance but the reverence performance yes I was just eating a donut and drinking coffee swirling his cup he's and like, he's he is so pointedly not, not acknowledging attention. it yes. that he's acknowledging it yeah he's and especially important because he is he's a he's a lawman but he's also a reverend, a reverend. And he is, this is the most obvious blind eye you'll ever see. Yep. It's fucking amazing. It's a great dynamic. It feels he is like literally a turning a blind eye to adultery. Adultery. Yes. So that's my evidence for that. And if you look at the timeline for how old Debbie is, mm-hmm. John Wayne's only been gone three years. Right. Well, he was the the war for. Well, he was gone. He, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was. He has been gone for three years, but. I think Debbie's like five. five at the time. So there's an... Well, she's 15 when they find her. And they've been looking for her for seven years. She must years. have been 10 then. What? Or t- she must have been like... No, no, no. They've been... Because remember, there was a five-year period and right. a two-year period. Oh, so right, they've been looking right, right. for seven. So she's like seven or seven, seven or, eight. or eight. So there's some impetus for John Wayne to leave for a long time before he comes back. Like, whoops, I fucked my brother's husband. And <laughs> I fucked my brother's husband. <laughs> the Searchers is an incredibly progressive film for, 1959. for 1959. I forgot to tell you that Martha is a man. <laughs> is a man. <laughs> <laughs> but no. Um, but yeah, no, like, like what, what would, yeah, what would make yeah, you leave for like that long? whoops. I kind of got your wife in Preggers, the, sorry. Uh, in, in the family sorry, way. Sorry, I came inside your wife. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, like, Hey, I hope you're not too mad. I hope I... you're not too mad. I'll pay my way. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> it's weird. He's like, he's almost like buying his brother no, off. No, seriously. The amount yeah. of gold that he gives him. It's a ton. He gives him a lot because we see that five coins is like 20 bucks. Yep. And we find out that the Rangers are getting paid 12 bucks a month. Yeah. He gives that five coins is 20 bucks. And he gives his brother like a hundred coins. Like a sack. He literally just. A crown royal bag full of. <laughs> full of gold. <laughs> and he gives him Confederate money and, and Northern Yankee money. dollars. Yeah, Yankee yeah. D- them's Yankee dollars. He's like, basically just like whichever currency you want. He gives his brother like a hundred thousand yeah, dollars to just be much, like, I'm yeah. gonna stay at your house for a couple days. Here's like fifty it's, grand. It's sorry, sorry for fucking your wife. <laughs> he's buying. He's pretty much paying off like uh, so that. Oh, it's almost like childcare in a kind way. Of, yeah, sorry like, for sorry the bad child f- support. I'm sorry, yeah. he had to feed Debbie for f- five years or whatever. <laughs> the MISD it was coming but, uh, after him. I think that that. That reading that Debbie might be John Wayne's as well. That would that would give him more like why he's so why he um, has such a personal stake, stake in, it. in it. Yeah, you know, like he doesn't seem happy that Lucy's dead. He seems no. horrified that yeah. Lucy's dead, but he will go so far himself as to kill Debbie. And I think part of that, and I think part of that we also see with his relationship to Marty is that he doesn't want her to be like him, a right. person between two worlds. Yeah. He he. Who is Marty's? Who's his? Who? Marty's parents. The way that I understand it is that John Wayne, during some like um, like Indian skirmish or Native American skirmish, found Marty crying like under a bush, okay. and his parents had been slaughtered. But gotcha. here's another thing that I think is kind of important: is how if John Wayne just found Marty. <laughs> under a bush and just happened upon him how did he know that the scalp on the stick was marty's mother's hair 
because she had been scalped at that point. Oh, fuck. So he would have had to either know Marty's mother or have like taken a long time because there is, is a, he there's, there's Marty's a, dad too. Kind of wonder, right? Like I wondered that for sure. But there's a there's a uh, he's just fucking everybody. There's a red. <laughs> there's a uh, the the only thing I can imagine is right. that it would be the redhead because there's a red there's scalp a red on there, right? And that's very uncommon, especially in this movie. We don't see any of them. No. So we would assume that maybe he saw like some remnant of red hair and was like, oh look, it's. That was probably that Marty. That was your mom. Well, that's taking a really big leap into like the assumptive sort of like, oh, it was red hair. It had to be your mom, right? So part of so yeah, is what, that a word? Assumptive? I think it is. I'm so going to make that a word. What is the what is the stronger reading? The stronger reading is probably that John Wayne was at some point involved in Marty's murder, right. mother, or at least knew his parents very well, right? And you know when he sees Marty for the first time. And or when he sees Marty fully grown for the first time and realizes that he is part native, right. when he realizes he's an eighth Cherokee, eighth Cherokee, when yep. he realizes he's an eighth Cherokee, he cold, he was cold immediately. Oh, just seriously. And cold. I think that it calls him a half breed at the dinner table. I, like, and I think that there's, there's some possibility that that disdain is the flip side of the coin of what he feels for Debbie, where he's like, this guy is a guy between worlds. Right. This guy, he he hates himself, and he seems to hate Marty for similar reasons because he sees a lot of himself in Marty. He leaves Marty everything. Yeah. At the end of the movie. Yeah, he sure does. All him, all him stolen he, Yankee and Confederate he, dollars. Yeah, he bequeaths him. Yep. All of his stuff. It <laughs> means right. means leave. It means leave. I God. mean, yeah. There's. There's that. There's. I only have one issue with this movie, actually, and which it's a is what? stupid fucking score. Really? I don't like the music. Why don't you like the movie? Why don't you like? It's. Why do you hate this movie, Carl? I don't hate this movie. I hate the music <laughs> in it. Well, I don't know. It's it's not fair because a lot of these, a lot of the movies of the era had that a very similar sort of. I don't want to say jaunty soundtrack, but like a lot of like fiddle. Yeah, yeah, and just some sometimes the scenes that I felt were called for a little, a little something a bit more more deep or heavy, not somber, but um, but then you always had like well that. the two the the first two songs in the film are both famous Confederate oh, songs. Yeah, absolutely. They're, those they're I don't songs have an issue the with that, but it's yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. actual score. Oh, the score itself. The score too, itself too is just too jaunty. Like okay, which is I can see that. It's well, a trope of these westerns, though, and it's like this is how the scores were but, written. But then, not always. But, but not always. Because right. Sergio Leone. Fuck no! I actually have that as a note. Like, but I'm sorry, not this, Sergio Leone. Ennio Morricone, yes, who scored who's almost all, all of Sergio Leone. If this films had been scored by Ennio Morricone, oh my god! Like, <laughs> I don't this know if a, it would fit. I, it, I don't know if it would quite fit. But if but that sort of well, his, like. Like you mean like uh, well, uh, Ennio Morricone scored the Hateful Eight. Yeah. If you took the Hateful Eight score and put it behind the Searchers, oh, that might be awesome. Fuck, that right? like bomb, yeah, bomb, 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 bomb. It's so yep. good. Um, I was ju- I just had another thought about the uh, Marty Ethan relationship. Yes. Uh, there's a bit when they're riding, and he says Uncle Ethan, and Ethan says Don't call me Uncle. Right. right? So. When he asks, what should I call you? He says, don't call me sir either, right? Right. Uncle and sir are both, to speak broadly, like, quote unquote, terms of civilization. Yeah. They're part of a hierarchical, structured, ordered world. And he says, what should I call you? And he says, well, my name's Ethan. 
So I know I dig. I find the smallest stuff. I know. I love apart. it though. But um, he won't engage with him in the structure of the white world, but allows them to communicate as equals in the wild. Yeah. So I think that part of that is when he realizes that he's one eighth Cherokee. He immediately identifies him. He doesn't push him away. He lets him come with him for fucking seven years. Seven years. He gives him some shit. Sleeping next to each other on the ground. Like. Right. So he 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 has a begr- he begrudgingly allows him yeah. this space because in his mind, in his racist <laughs> fucked up mind, this is a place. The wild, the, yep. the dangerous wild, the unknown. This is a space where Marty is allowed to move. This is where Marty belongs and he has a place at that table. But he won't allow him to operate there under the auspices of the um of the white structure right, the form- prairie right. formal world oh my goodness right little little stuff like that you can pick you can pick the fuck out of this movie well that's and it's what great. I, another could literally could literally hours picking this this is my but my nose could literally hours picking this movie apart not overhyped it is brilliant and beautiful I like your notes. Your notes don't have the word auspices in them. No, they don't. <laughs> and they, I'm leaving out words who could literally hours picking. This, uh, I know. <laughs> well, when you stay up till three Whoa, o'clock in the God, morning seriously. drinking. Um, there's uh, like this movie's meditations on violence. For example, when you get the line, when, when John Wayne apologizes to, uh, to, to um, Billy's parents, yes, and says like I, you know, I got your boy killed, <sighs> and the mom or the the dad says, don't you know, don't feel, don't don't feel guilty, right? It was this country killed my boy. Fuck. Right. Yeah. Like the 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 constant western western meditation on violence. I think that there are several readings of that line which are super telling because that guy is he with it, but given by given his accent, he's clearly uh, an immigrant. Yes. But does he mean that the inherent, the inherent violence, violence of, of America the, right. or, killed him? Or, which is a conversation we're still having now. Oh, clearly. Like every mass shooting, were, were they killed? They, they were obviously killed by like a mentally ill gunman, but were they killed in a broader sense by, by the, the culture of violence right. in America? Or Which has always been the case, right? We're a culture of violence. Const- we're talking about a film from 1959, which is dealing with issues from 18. 18- 50s or 1860 something yep even then the culture of violence was such that people were like oh this country's so savage and violent and and brutal that it wasn't the gun that did it it was the country that did it it's the cult the the, the, the culture of violence or the cult of violence right two does that mean that the native americans who in the comanches who in a very real sense killed billy does that mean that they represent the country right is this is their land the, right yes exactly so in a weird way he the billy's father is is uh aligning himself with an outsider or an intruder right entering into this country and part of that country part of that landscape is the native americans who have their legitimate claim they killed his son because billy was encroaching on, on their, their land on their land yep. so i mean there's there's so many layers to this movie <sighs> fucking brilliant. i know i mean so there is so one scene in particular so there's not a whole lot of humor in this movie there's a couple but there of are moments. a couple of moments 
one of my favorite scenes in the movie because it gives you that little bit of breath, of like a breath of fresh air and kind of lets you off the hook for a second. Yeah. Is the fight between... Oh, at the wedding? At the wedding. Between, <laughs> between Marty and... Um, oh, I don't remember the... Oh, sure do like you, babe. I'm going to play my guitar nice he and pretty for you. He hated that accent. Oh, he was God, doing it as a joke on set one day and John oh, Ford he's heard like, him keep do it. it. He was like, that's perfect. Do that. And he's like, no, no, no. no don't, don't let me do... Please don't make me do this. <laughs> that's hilarious. He that accent well golly i sure do like you miss but that fight is brilliant it's like go ahead he pulls a log out like spit over the log like it's like they go it's like again we talked about this with like in the man who shot liberty valance right it's like men being men and there's certain rules to being a man like spit over the log but then there's these moments like when everyone's like oh someone's fiddle like they didn't want to stop stop stop, someone's fiddle that is it's one of my favorite fight scenes specifically because now today there's a the, John Wayne pushes the the mother back in. Yeah, and says, like, "Don't forget you're a lady." Right, and she runs immediately to the window, to the window and to starts watch watching the fight. the fight. But there's there's a there a certain perspective today could critique that and say like, "Well, th- there's never a reason that's, to fight," and like me- right. that's just men being violent and blah blah blah. But there is a certain weird honor. About yeah. that fight. Well, the Reverend, the Reverend like pulls shake, him apart and like he's like, "Are you operating?" Well, at the beginning oh, of the yeah, fight, yeah, yeah. he's like, "Are you operating as a as a member of the U.S. or the it's uh, like, United no, States this is Rangers?" A personal matter. More of a personal matter. He goes, "Well, okay, all right, then. then. All right, now square up. I don't want." And he immediately starts no biting, no 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 biting, no gouging. No gouging. <laughs> and he's basically like, "If it's a personal matter, all right. Well, the rules of the West say that you boys are going to settle it. I'm going to be here to make sure it's clean." And he, call, he starts calling the calls fight. Calls the fight, yeah. Because they fight, and, and he's no like, ah, ah, "Marty, no, yeah." Because Marty kicks him in the chest. He goes, "Ah, no kicking." And he's like, "Marty, no biting. All right, get clean. Get him apart. Get him apart." And he goes, "Wait, yeah. wait, wait." Someone's fiddle. And the Someone's guy, fiddle, right? And they stop. They stop. They stop the, the fight. fight because it's. It's not someone's personal property is gonna get damaged. It's it's like, n- yeah, and they ha- he gives it to him. And he's like, "Here you go, Vinny. All right, okay." And they turn and back the around, punch him again. Him, yeah. But it's I like that fight because it's not it is violent. Yes, but it's not the violence we've seen in the rest of the movie is a bestial violence fueled by hatred. This is a weird sort of like. It's. I almost want to call it like a happy fight. Cuffs. Yeah, it is physical. Well, he's doing the whole. It's yeah. It's there's a there's a weird sort of. It's it's a totally like wild undignified thing, but there's a strange dignity to the fight, yeah. which is actually appealing to me. Yeah. Which I know you know you're like oh well. Well no, that's Max why I brought it up. That's why I brought it up though. There is that that weird sort of like dignity of, of like men duking it out. Right. There's and it is violent. It's right? violent. They're, they're but going the, after each and other. And at the end clearly, of it, they do shake hands. Right. And after the fight has, after they've, it's almost like they scrap again. Oh my god! You know what it almost is? It's almost they don't scrap again. Yeah, they do in the house. In oh, after they, the fight, they like they go after each other again for and they a hot get, second. They get separated for like immediately. Yeah. But um, I, it's almost as if they every everyone present recognizes that there's. That they're everyone's got their dander up, their hackles are up. Yep. And these two guys, if we are going to have a measured, reasoned discourse, these two guys have to get this out of their system. Right. It's not a like I'm gonna kill you, you fucking bastard. Right. It's not a brutal fight. It's like we need to let off some steam. I'm gonna take you. I'm so mad at you right. that I'm gonna have to punch you. You're gonna punch me, and after we've worn ourselves out, we're gonna sit and talk. Right. It's it's almost understood as a ne- a necessary prerequisite. To like being a thinking person. When your brain is that ramped up on adrenaline, you gotta like, I think in a lot of ways, this is kind of the problem that we're having today with Facebook. 
Right. Where it's like, you know, like someone posts a political meme and then the comments section's like six thousand people right. who don't have think about this though, like who are stewing in fury and all they have to get it out is tiny motions of their fingers and a keyboard. Right. Now, if you took that person and the person with a meme and threw some gloves on them, I'm dead serious about you this. Know, I, I love it. Put them in the backyard and said, all right, no biting and gave them like five minutes, to just beat the shit out of each other. <laughs> at the end of that, do you think either of them would be as fucking livid as they nope. are on Facebook? Not Absolutely not. Nope. I think in some some instances, especially in controlled instances <laughs> right. where you've got the good old reverend being like, no, no, no biting. No biting. And you've got men who are like dusting you off and then they're like, all right, go back to it. You guys done yet? You know, like right. in a weird controlled way, letting some of that poison out allows you to move forward. Right. And we don't have we any don't of have that any, today yeah. because we have such a culture We have of, medication. It's, it's this, we have medication. <laughs> we do. You want, you, you want to get punched in the head, you just take a pill. Take a pill. And then you sit dumbfounded on your couch for the rest of the day. Right. But no, and it's, it's infuriating to me because there's this weird, it's partial, part of it is like the, the lawsuit culture, like, oh, right. you pushed me, you assaulted me. It's like, well, why don't we just, like if we could just work this, <laughs> can't we just work let's this just stuff? hate each other for like a little while for a hot second give us not a, like the purge no but just like yeah, the we punch. don't need the purge we don't, we don't need the purge and we i'm not talking punch. yeah i'm not talking like guns and knives in no. the alley like all right I, I, let's I, tie our wrists together and right. pop our switchblades i'm talking like you know like you got a couple of your friends i got a couple of my friends let's just you and me right. we're gonna hit each other for a little bit and then we're gonna figure out what's we're gonna going go on with the outsiders for just a hot second we're too mad to do anything so let's do what we want to do, yep. and then at the end of it, we're going to shake hands, and we're all just going to be okay with what happened. Yep. I, th- I think that's part of being human, and right. I think that the loss of that is an, is not a good thing. Anyway, I know that's a controversial opinion oh, no, no, in some ways. I, know I, my... I, sit, I sit firmly <laughs> in that camp with you, sir. Every once in a while, right? Yep, every once in a while. You should be able to have a little tussle every once in a while. You have to be able to punch a motherfucker Fucking and a. let them punch you. Absolutely. Spur- squarely get, in the nose. I think getting hit is an important it, thing. It rings your bell and it clears your fucking brain. I, like, well, I've, like, I, I'm a bit biased because I've boxed since I was 14. Right. But when and you, I just got hit a lot when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> but there's, there's a thing... Where where you're where you're boxing and you get your energies up and yeah. you're 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 feeling confident. I'm and now I never box with people that I'm like fucking livid at. But like <laughs> right. you know when you're boxing with your friends and you get that adrenaline rush and you can your heart's racing and your head's going and you get tagged in the face, boo! It you you drop down to zero. You become defensive immediately. You're right. calm because getting getting tagged just your body goes out of like super heightened adrenaline mode. Right. You're no longer on the offensive. You're like, okay, I'm sorry. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. No, like every once in a while, if you're like, well, you're a fucking snowflake, blah, blah, blah. If that dude got tagged in the face, he might be like, I don't okay, know what I was thinking. Look, I said some things I didn't mean. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? It takes you back to zero. It does. It re- it's a reset. Yeah. Getting fucking <laughs> like, punched. Oh, getting, shit. Yeah. Getting hit in the face is a reset. It is. But anyway, I love that scene. I'm glad you brought up humor because there was a couple of other funny <laughs> mo- moments that I thought like uh, the the joke, the recurring joke when they're in the Mexican tavern and he won't let um, Marty drink anything. The tequila, right? And then he goes over and he picks up Marty's glass when Marty's eating dinner and he smells it, <laughs> it and throws it, it on the, the fire. <laughs> I wrote down John Wayne want to burn the restaurant down. <laughs> 
Oh, you made a Carl note. That's great. John Wayne, want to burn the restaurant? I forgot about that scene entirely, yep. but that fireball from that one shot of Lights tequila. half the wall on fire. <laughs> it's like the fire is and it's taller like he, than John Wayne. Yeah, and he doesn't even flinch at it. He's like, yep, just walks out. Which is great. Yep. What a great... It's like it's like when you see people shoot guns in movies and they twitch. Right. John Wayne does not flinch at all. There's nope. fire on the floor. Yep. There's fire on oh, the, the ceiling. Yep. Like, you can see people flooding in to try and put out like, the Like, holy shit, the set's going to burn down. <laughs> John yeah, the Duke just walks out. He just Fuck walks it. out Don't like, care. like you can just tell. There's, you don't see him smile, but you can tell that like his eyes are like, like, did I just fucking burn the rest? It's like, holy shit, they're gonna have to rebuild the set. That was super flammable. I love that. There's a great moment at the end. Like th- this movie does have moments of levity, yes. which are great because uh, we talked about um, um, in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid yes. when they're being chased. I said that those moments of levity let off too much pressure. Yes, too this much. This movie is so dark. And so toxic in places that without these, these are little gulps of air before we dive back down. And they're great. Their spacing is great. Their brevity is great. They're not like big slapstick Andy Devine moments. There's just jokes. Like when his his son plays playing the cavalryman came in. And he keeps getting interrupted. That was ad lib, by the way. Like he was supposed to come in and just deliver that whole speech and they fucked with him. (laughs) <laughs> they kept interrupting him. That's why he's like, I just want to get this line out. I'm nervous. I heard his I heard his uh his take on it was he was legitimately nervous yes. because for two reasons. One, because his, his dad, dad is, is in his dad, a legendary actor is there watching him. And two, John Ford was notoriously hard to work with and shitty to actors, yes. but he was always nice to John Wayne's son, so the rest of the cast didn't like him because oh, he never got his turn, you know, like getting He never got on. the John Ford. No, it's exactly what Steven Spielberg did in um, Saving Private Ryan. Right. You heard this story with yes. Matt Damon where every time Matt Damon came to set, he would be like in a nice uh, in a nice location. Jo- yeah. the, the, Steven Spielberg would bring him coffee. And the fucking rest, the rest of the, of the cast crew was like, hated him. They were living in like shitty ditches and yep. stuff and didn't get enough so food So when they eat. finally find him, they're like, I fucking hate you. I can't can't believe we all, have to do this shit. All those scenes yep. with Matt Damon, there's genuine dislike because he's been getting treated better on set oh, than hey, they are. Matt, you want a donut? Oh, yeah, Tom. Literally, there's like shit in a ditch, right? right Tom, <laughs> yeah, like Steven Spielberg intentionally made it hard on everyone else except, except Matt, Damon. For Matt Damon. So when they finally meet him, they treat him like, like the, the hoity toity officer right. that he is. Not one of us, motherfucker. Right. We're over here. <laughs> Like Tom Hanks has Tom Hanks for real. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, but I love the joke. The joke is so it's so smart and so fast. Yeah. When they're sitting there and he goes, um when he goes, uh uh John Wayne says to the cavalryman, he says, Turn around and he looks at his back and he goes, Yep, you're a Yankee cavalryman. And that the joke is he's only ever seen them retreating. Right. <laughs> Because <laughs> they're all they're stupid all, cowards, right. and he goes, "I resent that. I'm just fooling. I'm just, I'm just fooling. fooling." That's. Uh, I mean, we haven't we haven't even touched on what is often the most quoted pa- passage of dialogue in this movie. We see. Uh, I can't remember her fucking name. The girl that is sweet on Marty. Oh, but, right. The uh, one that reads the letter. Yeah, she oh, reads yeah. the letter, and she's she's kind of a fun character. But yeah. she, I think it's intentional, too. She is given the most brutally racist line of dialogue in the entire film. When Marty's like, I have to go back out and find Debbie. Right. And she is sent, I'm paraphrasing completely. Right, yeah. The actual dialogue is is almost as harsh as what I'm saying, but they find a way to do it without the, the, the brutal honesty. But basically right. what she says is, Marty, 
Debbie's just been gang raped by savages for 14 or for eight years. Right. She's not even human anymore. And Martha, her mother, would want John Wayne to, to kill shoot her. her in the head. Yep. To put, she literally says, put a bullet in her head. That's what Martha would want. Yep. And yes, that was very brutal language. It is in keeping with the film. And the dialogue is not exactly that, but it's almost that. It's yeah. literally like young bucks having their way and passing each other around till they're done. She, that's what she says. Yep. She's been driven insane by a lifetime of just brutal rape. Wouldn't it be better if she was dead? Just shot her in the head. And this is our sweet... We just saw two guys have a fun, wacky yep. fight over marrying this girl. And she just said that to the man that she loves who spent seven years of his life. And justifying Ethan's desire to do the same. Absolutely. Right? Like, Absolutely. That turn of her character is shocking because it's, it's not a turn. Of, it's, it's just a reveal. No, yeah. It's yep. like, it's like not to get too, too political, but it's like talking to someone that you thought you've known your whole life. And all of a sudden they say something about like, well, you know, the blacks and you're like, you're like, whoa, oh, um, what? What'd you just like say? Record scratch. Right, like, right. Like what? Yeah, you're just like out at a good. T- you're having a good time right. at a wedding, and you're having a couple drinks. Hey, like, how about them n words? And you're like, pardon? Excuse me. What? One more time. Just run that by me. Just real quick. Yeah, it's huh? exactly, yeah. and it's 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 shocking because in this context, you start to sense that hers is not the minority view. Right. And that's Ugh. that's hard to swallow. That's fairly near the end of the film. Yeah, too. it is. I think that that's a brilliant writing move, putting that there, because what we get shortly thereafter is what I will call Ethan's redemption. Where Ethan, who is the poster boy for the sentiment that she just explained, comes to terms with... Not not uh, comes to terms with an, an evolving personage or a person between places yes. or th- allowing someone to exist in more than one space and allowing someone the space to heal rather than just you have been removed from the domestic space. You are cast aside. Right. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. It's allowing that redemption. That that moment when he picks Debbie up <sighs> and you can right. see her fear. Yeah. She's like she clenches up and and then he swings her down into his arms like he's holding a baby yep that's that's one of the great film moments yeah any genre it's amazing it's so good did you know that uh her whole audition was just whether or not john wayne could pick her up well pick her up easily (laughs) oh shit she went into audition and john it was john ford and john wayne sitting in a room and she was like waiting for them to hand her a script and john ford goes looks at john wayne and goes go ahead john wayne smiles at her Lifts her up, sets her down, turns back to John Wayne or John Ford, and goes, "Yeah, that's easy, no problem at all." And she got cast. That's it. Fantastic. That's her whole audition. I dream of moments like that right. in my own life. Oh, seriously? What, John Wayne picking you up? Yeah. Oh my God, and smiling at me, just oh, loving that be me. Great. All right. Do you have? I don't have anything else. I can't. I, I mean, got, we could literally like. I could talk about we, this movie forever. All day we could talk about this movie, picking it apart. I'll say right now this is my this is my favorite use of Monument Valley. The the landscape Epic that they even, that, No, not at no, all. Oh, there are movies that shoot wider and shoot a sure. grander view, but this this um um uh, strategically uses it in a way that yes. really shows its grandeur, but also the the harsh, unforgiving nature of it. I mean, we could talk about the cinematography, 
the the I've already touched on a lot of like the framing stuff that's brilliantly like using there are very few close-ups in this symbols movie. and metaphor not at all and they're all very intentional and most of them used. are John Wayne's face yes the scene oh my god the when shot when okay go ahead what were you yeah yeah say? yeah when when they when they discover the women that have been yes we're yeah. talking about the same fucking yeah, scene yeah, yeah. when they the, the women who've been captured by the yeah and they're and crazy they do, they do that they it's a they zoom. dolly in it's, almost, yeah it's not yeah. a zoom it's a it's a uh it's a dolly with a change in focus yeah but they dolly in on john wayne's face when he turns around he's half in shadow his eyes are just like we shadow, talked just, about with ooh, unforgiven God. with the uh the heavy use of black yes of, of dark shadow and absolute blackness that's one of the few times in this movie where you don't see, where you don't see John Wayne's face entirely and I think that that darkness that sinister I mean because you it's can hatred yeah yeah it's, and loathing it's, it's a it's using lighting yeah. to express an emotion that's fucking brilliant yep um but I mean, like the, the horses in the snow. Yeah. I love westerns in snow, man. Talking about the hateful, hateful eight, eight, fucking awesome. Just seeing if that if the hateful eight had been like a spring movie, like in the springtime, wouldn't, wouldn't work. Well, it wouldn't have worked because the whole thing is the that they're, snowed, is they're in. snowed in. But <laughs> if well, they were spring in, <laughs> too many flowers growing <laughs> outside. They all have like really bad. We got too fever. many weeds out there. We, yeah, they Terrible really allergies. allergies, right? And they just they're like, we got to hold up till we these flowers are done being. <laughs> I mean, you know, then there's the last shot where everyone re-enters the domestic space except, except for Ethan. Ethan. I think that that, that in a way, at the end of Sh- the most famous example of a cowboy riding into the sunset is Shane. Shane, yeah, right. And we talked about uh, last uh, last week. We talked about in Unforgiven that Clint Eastwood doesn't ride into the sunset; he rides into perfect blackness. Yes, this is another twist on that because. What we've seen before with like the man who shot Liberty Valance, mm-hmm. and we talked about it with Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, where there is a point where a violent a violent man or a, a in like a dinosaur of a man or whatever that that archaic archetypal cowboy character has a purpose, but after that certain purpose, he must go away now. Yep, because and, been... and leave the domestic space because he's yeah you're no longer needed. Right, Shane is. We we didn't watch Shane, but we should, we should do it for Patreon. That, yeah, but Shane is the perfect example I of have this. Never. You've never seen Shane? No. Ooh, we're going to watch Shane. That's yeah. a fucking awesome movie. Yeah, I, I'm very familiar with Shane because right. it's talked about all the time, but right. I haven't. I've never. So basic. Okay. So I've just, this whole time that I've just been like using this as my Western touchstone, it's, it hasn't meant anything to you? No, it has because <laughs> right, I'm, right, right. I'm familiar. Just So at the end of Shane, he comes over basically and tells the kid, he's like, you know, tell your mother there's no more right. guns in the valley. Because that's her whole thing. Yep. I'd like to see all the guns out of the valley. The domestic, her, her, the, the, I'll call it civilized. That's not necessarily what I mean, but right. the, the civilized desire is I'd like there to be no more violence and we can all live peacefully. Shane comes in and tries to, anyway, at the end of the movie, Shane has eliminated basically all violence by just killing it. But now, as long as Shane's there, there's still he's one fine, more gun right. in the valley. That domestic space is never safe as long as he's there. And that's, that's why, why he leaves. rides into the sunset. In this one, everyone moves back into that that dom- that civilized that domestic, domestic space. space that we saw at the beginning of the film. But John Wayne, he is we have he's never been of that. So what do we see? We don't see he stands outside, looks in longingly, and then turns, turns around and takes walks. a couple of steps, and the, the door, door closes shuts. on him. So John Wayne's that's he makes more movies after this, but in a weird way, That's this is his, the last John Wayne movie. Yeah. You know, this is the natural end of, of John Wayne's, you know, relevance. Did you know this movie was going to be remade in the 90s as a space opera? 
<laughs> what? Yeah. I got nothing else to say about the film proper. Fair enough. Do you? Nope. This is... This, I mean, yes, this film but, is amazing. Yeah. This is absolutely incredible, and I think strongly in the running for this for quarter's... The, I know, right? T- I'm not going to say for the season, because we have a lot of movies to go. We have a lot go, of movies to go through, but, but for the, the quarter... For the quarter, this is pretty fucking strong. Yeah. It's going to be hard, because, especially because they're all different, but I'm, yeah. I'm excited for the shootout. But uh, in the early 90s, Terry Gilliam was set to direct... What? How do I not know this? Like, Terry Gilliam was set to direct Bruce Willis... As Ethan and Johnny Depp as Marty, and the whole thing would be set in space. I want to see that. I don't. <laughs> I so don't. Why would you ever want to see that? Because when I was watching this movie, I was, I was thinking to myself, you, you know, know what this, this movie needs? needs? More space. More, space. More outer space. <laughs> and needs, aliens and took aliens Debbie. Is, right, exactly. <laughs> and, they... <laughs> and you know what? I want Terry Gilliam to direct it. Oh, my it. God. Like a. No, 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 I'm not. I won't allow it. I won't allow it. You know, what's weird is this movie has been they've tried to remake and update this movie a couple times. I heard a rumor. There was a rumor online. I wasn't able to substantiate it, but I heard that either. I think it was Paramount or Warner Brothers announced in 2008 that they were going to remake this movie as a zombie movie. I feel like you're pulling my chain. I'm fucking dead serious. <laughs> Someone said that the, the zombies, the, the twist was going to be that like Debbie had been or that Debbie was a zombie and they were tracking her down to try and save her before she got infected or something like that. And then they had and to kill her. Nothing ever happened with the film. Right. This was God. moving around studios where they're like, we could do the search. They were shopping it around. All right. For Listen, I got an idea. Guys, I got an idea. Um, you over there. Can I get a, can I get a decaf latte really quick? I'm, I'm going to blow your minds. Just hold off on that for a second. All right, you remember The Searchers? Remember one of the greatest films ever made? The uh, Basically the epitome of the Western and one of the most powerful comments on uh, American mythology and American culture that's ever been made? Right. Now, what about zombies? All right, I'll take that log Mic now. drop. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> You're just, you just pray to... Pray Searchers to, the musical. You just pray that Hollywood... Oh, like, damn Comanche, <laughs> they come getting Debbie. I don't like it when they shoot my eyes out. That's the, right, exactly. the ghost they, of the Indian... Who, and then, yeah. yeah, like the intermission song is No More Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> no, no More, more Buffalo. buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we just broke the podcast. That's all right. I think we may have. Um, yeah, that's that's all. Literally all I yep, have. I just thought that I wrote down that Terry Gilliam thing <laughs> when I found so it because I know he's your favorite director. Oh my god! I'm, I'm ashamed of you for liking that idea. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, folks at home, this was by far our longest episode yep. so far, and, and rightfully uh, so. Rightfully though. so. Yeah, we did almost two hours. Holy shit! Yeah. Uh, so anyway. Um, I literally have nothing. I, I cannot say another word about this, or I'm just gonna start picking more minute things yep, to yep. focus on. Uh, do I have any more clever notes? I can probably. Not. I will vamp while you look at your broken uh, pig Latin stuff over there. Right. But seriously, I I cannot recommend this movie highly enough. This movie is phenomenal. If you're if you want to casually watch something. Or if you're a casual film fan, you should still watch it. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if you've listened to this without seeing it and have had the whole movie ruined for you, but can now look at it with like those things in the back of your yes. head. But if you are a if you're a film lover and you haven't seen it, if you are a cinephile and you haven't seen it, you should watch this movie. Do yourself you really, a damn favor and really watch, should watch the Searchers. This movie. All right. Um, should we do some housekeeping? Oh, do it. Housekeeping. Housekeeping. All right. Um, 
so this well, is our we're done with our second month. We have started. We're about to start recording our third month. Which yes. uh, oh, I should we should tell them what next month is going to be. Oh my god, I'm so excited! All right, April, you got your westerns, and uh, for May, for the lovely, lovely month of May, we will be doing. All Nicolas Cage, all the time. It's four Nicolas Cage films, back to back to back to back to back. That's so much Nick Cage. (laughs) We're going to take Nicolas Cage all the way from A, B, C, (laughs) D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P. We're going to go down. We're going to go into the cage with Cage. You guys are going to fucking love it. I'm (laughs) super stoked. I'm so glad you like Nicolas Cage. I know. He's fantastic. Um, so that's what we're doing next month. Uh, if you want to go and check out more content, movies, we do a, a, a regular season, but we have, there's so many movies in the world. Yes. And there are a lot of movies that might not necessarily... Fit in the regular program? Correct. There yeah. are uh, films that are a bit too much, a bit too extreme, beyond the pale, maybe too weird. Movies that are maybe not necessarily good enough to be in this <laughs> right. thing, such as sequels and remakes. Um, so we'll be we're going to be doing a lot of... Uh, Patreon exclusive episodes yes. over on patreon.com slash Max Peterson. Uh, that's S O N. Um, you can get lots of, st- if you think, you know, if you like what we're doing and you think that we deserve a little bit of, a little bit of moolah here and there, that'll help pay for things like, um, updated equipment perhaps in the yep. future, but more importantly, web hosting, hosting the show is not free. That nope. costs, that definitely costs a little bit of money. Um, the, the, re- the regular show is always going to be free and yep. we're going to keep it going regularly. We are recorded way out in the future. At this point, um, and we're gonna keep doing that. We're gonna try and have the season in the can by June. <laughs> right, so, exactly. Um, yeah. So, and in exchange for uh, you know uh, tossing us a, a little scratch here and there to keep the show up and running and on the air and maybe uh, improve it in the future, like some of the things we talked about, we're yeah. adding a video component to the show. Absolutely. Doing like a, a live stream as we record episodes. Yep. Which would be fun, especially because we record so far in advance that people get a sneak peek. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, uh, doing things like that. Um, you I'll get shout outs on the show. You can get our, uh, our <laughs> ill begotten season zero, where we talk about seven movies that'll never appear on the regular season. Yep. It'll be a Patreon exclusive. Um, we are doing, actually, I'm not sure if they'll be out at this point. We are recording way ahead of time. Months so it's ahead, hard yeah. to do this, but we are, we're planning uh, several series. We're going to watch all four of the, I spit on your grave films <laughs> with my feminist, my, uh, progressive feminist wife. We're going to watch. Those br- she's a horror fan though, yeah, so yeah. it'll be fine. It'll be fine. It's not going to be like. And here's another reason why it <laughs> suck. And another reason. And they're great movies too. For right. for like raw. If you if you have been wronged by a man, go watch one of those fucking yeah. things because it's just dudes getting slaughtered brutally by a woman who's been wronged by men. Love um. It. So we're. We're gonna do a, a four four episode series of all the I spit on your graves. We talked about. Uh, we're gonna do a Vincent Price. Yes. A series. We're going to do uh, a Stephen King series. All of these Patreon exclusives where we're going to do uh, movies adapted from Stephen King uh, books. We're going to do uh, a, a weird horror month, which might coincide with October, where we're going to do both the original and the remake of House of Wax. <laughs> <laughs> um, so oh, we've, we've got Yeah, we got lots of fun stuff over on Patreon. Um, you can go and check that out. That should be, li- they'll definitely be live by the time you hear this, since this is, I don't know, like December that we're recording. <laughs> um, it's March. Yeah. No, this will be April. No, it's March like, right now. It's yeah. March, yeah. My God. We're crossing the streams. So we should do a, do a time travel episode, <laughs> time travel month. 
Um, there's some good. Time there's some really movies. good. Yeah. yeah. Mm, we'll talk mm, about this. Talk off about the air. that off there. Yeah. All right. So if you want to uh, find out more about us at the time of this recording, we don't have a uh, measuring flicks social media page that is uh, in the on the docket for the yes. future. Uh, Carl is insanely busy right now, so we're gonna wait for him to have his schedule cleared up a little bit more before we go any further with that. We're gonna keep the episodes coming though. If you wanna follow either of us and see what other creative wackiness we are up to, you can uh, follow me on Instagram primarily. I'm never on Facebook. Um, I hate that fucking cesspool. <laughs> pool. But um, yep. uh, you can follow me on Instagram at actualmaxp, or you can follow Carl on the Facebooks.com. Uh, wayward trips and you'll notice i was so tired this morning i did actually write facebooks.com <laughs> you did next, write facebooks.com <laughs> oh my, God, <laughs> my this goodness thing, well, next week will not be daylight savings time no fuck so we're gonna be sharp we we're pretty fucking sharp actually episode, I, I feel though. like we did pretty well we considering did. that i was um i've drank a lot yeah. last night <laughs> <laughs> we we made it through man you did it i'm so proud of us all right i literally have nothing else nope, so i'm good um I should have thought of this earlier. Oh, son of a bitch. I know Here we, we got to have some kind of outro and it's coming fast. It's it's going to be You're gunslinging. What are you doing? It's going to be a I don't know. <laughs> um Carl, let's uh let's uh ride off into the sunset and close the door on westerns. Oh.